0: Hello, Blankies. This is downtown Griffey Nooms with a little emergency pre-episode announcement. So, March 23rd, 2020 is going to mark the fifth anniversary of Blank Check with Griffin and David. Or technically the fifth anniversary of Griffin and David Present the Phantom Podcast, but tomato, tomato. The point is, in order to commemorate this colossal event, because it is very tough to make the five, we're going to be not only doing a special 5th anniversary Checktacular episode on our main feed, but we're also going to be doing some live shows. Fuck it, we're doing it live, folks, okay? March 23rd, Monday, Bellhouse Theater, Brooklyn, 7 p.m., show sold out. It already sold out, I apologize. We put it up for pre-sale on Patreon, and crazy enough, it sold out very shortly. So we're adding a second show, 10 p.m., that same night, March 23rd, tickets for that are going to go on sale Monday, January 20th, this Monday at noon, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we're announcing this very clearly so that the general public, the people who are not Patreon subscribers have a good shot at getting those tickets because we feel bad that you were left out in the cold on the first one. That having been said, if you want to come to the early show, you can't make the late show, maybe hop on the blank check Reddit try to with some sort of ticket swap with a checkmate who bought tickets for the earlier. I will also say two shows are going to be entirely different. They're going to have different subjects. So, if you're a completist, you might want to come to both. You might want to complete the set. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you for listening. And now, please listen to this very normal episode of Blank Check with Griffin and David.
1: Blank Check with Griffin and Right Jack with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is black Jack.
0: What do you love about the podcast, Griffin? I uh, m- many things. ah, uh, uh, what i what I love most about the podcast. it's, uh, it's that every now and again, not often, but occasionally, you get to be a part of justice being done. And that's really quite a thrill when it happens. <laughs> okay, let's do that quote. It's good, right? That's it. Cause I'll tell you the rest of these quotes, a little rocky. <laughs> right, right, right. Not easy to turn into jokes. No. The key words that you would replace with podcast are words that should not be removed. What about the joke that's told? Um, you know, I what do you that. call a thousand podcasters at the bottom of the ocean? Good start. Chained yeah. together at the bottom of the ocean. It's yeah. a good start. Do you know the tagline for this movie? Uh, it's, it's, a, a it, it's, it's a good. Long line. Line, right? no it's a good long one. No one. Like, it would split into two little. Right, right. We split. No one would take on his case until one man was willing to take on the system. That is so generic. It's very nineties. Very nineties.
2: One hundred people in a room, and ninety-nine people say they won't take the case.
0: That was the European tagline for the film. When when Lady Gaga was working in marketing, one (laughs) person was Bradley Cooper. That is a that's a weird. That's not said in
3: the movie. It's not like he's like I tried ninety-nine people. (laughs) He tried seven. Yeah, he tried. I think nine. Oh, he says nine.
0: Yeah, well, it's only one nine away. I guess
3: so. Um, the poster as well might as well be like the poster for the Pelican Brief. Totally. like It would be yeah. the poster for any Grisham thriller. Yeah. High contrast, black and white, and then
0: there's a big gavel. Yeah. Just so you're like, oh, <laughs> uh-oh, we're right. going to court. Tom Hanks looks zero percent sick. He looks like Tom Hanks in a suit. Right, because yeah. even at the beginning of this movie, I forgot how much he is like He's already... uh, He's emaciated. They're clearly putting a lot of makeup on him to show that he's covering up his Mm -hmm. lesions. Like, from the first frame of this film, Tom Hanks does not look like America's... Funny man, Tom Hanks. When I was a kid, my parents rented this movie on VHS, right? Yeah, like and they, they were like, it's a sequel to Toy Story.
3: No, I think I just saw the cover and I was like, what's this movie? And they were like, um, and I'm like, oh, it's about Philadelphia. Like, yeah. I mean, I just, there's just nothing on that cover that you'd be like, well, I clearly understand yeah. the plot you, of this.
0: You look at the poster and it's you're like. Philadelphia. Right, you're like, this must be a true story about, like, something about, like, the city of Philadelphia. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. This must be about, Some, like, city planning or, like.
3: Yeah, some like miscarriage
0: of justice in Philadelphia. Right. Which is right. about is yeah. sort of. Yeah. It's not very Philadelphia-centric. I feel like stand-ups have been making this joke for like two decades now, but it does feel a little bit like if they made a film about someone dying of cancer and called it New York City. Right. <laughs> like yeah. I understand the art the, the brotherly yeah. love thing, but yeah. it comes up once in the movie. It's not like the movie is like very much about it being in Philadelphia. Right. It's I guess just that idea of Philadelphia is the city with that.
4: Like if it was model. about
0: a character
4: that throws batteries, it you would. Could name well, that would be Philadelphia. called right. Yeah, yeah, yes. and mm-hmm. that would
0: be appropriate. Okay, Ben has decided that this episode is going to be him ragging on Philadelphia. It's the classic <sighs> New Jersey Philadelphia I honestly rivalry. Honestly, didn't see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Of course, he hates Philadelphia. Philly stinks. He okay. Then do you do you want a moment here to soapbox, or do you want to just pepper it throughout the next four and a half hours? I'm gonna pep. Okay. Uh, well, this is a podcast called Blank Check. Yes. Uh, with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. Mm-hmm. David. But thanks for introducing yourself. It's a podcast. I about said f- David. I, I know. I okay, said with a little more pep. I am David. Bang, bang, bang. That's oh, you banging bang the gavel. the gavel. <laughs> um... It's a podcast about filmographies. Directors have a massive success early on in their career and are uh, given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear. Sometimes they bounce. Baby. And this is a mini series on the film of Jonathan Demme. And this is arguably his first big blank check. Yeah. 100%. This is a huge cash-in. Not only is it that, it, uh, it, uh, it deposits. It's our, a hit. That's uh, the a argument. Our big friend hit. Emily Vanderwerf guest last week, yeah. made, which is like... When people were saying, like, I don't know if Jonathan Demme qualifies for this. It was like, that is one of the biggest blank check movies of all time. And the fact that it cleared in the way that it did is is kind of insane. Mm-hmm. $200 million worldwide.
3: Yeah. I mean, I wild. just think that's something people, one of the many things people probably don't remember about this movie. Yeah. They probably think, like, oh, whatever. It did fine and won an Oscar. Like, that. It was a big It was one of the top success. ten
0: films of the year, basically. It was number one two weeks in a row. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and it also is the movie that elevates Tom Hanks from being like beloved leading man to like America's greatest movie star. Like this is the film that transforms him. It made him the voice of like important stuff. Totally, it did, and it's interesting that it
3: did when you think about it. And at the same time, we've all seen his Oscar speech for this film. Yes, I'm sure we'll discuss it again.
2: The only you know he won best. I was gonna say, is this the only film in this miniseries that inspired a Kevin Klein comedy? (laughs) I mean, it's just insane.
3: That is just an insane fact. Yeah. But I rewatched it last night after watching the movie just mm-hmm. to remind myself. Because everyone remembers the end where he's like, there are too many uh, you know, yeah. angels, angel uh, heaven, seven, a crowd. Heaven. Of a... Yeah. But the whole speech sounds like a fucking presidential yeah. campaign. Yeah. yeah. Like, And you're like, is he, I mean, obviously he memorized this or something. He's not just doing this off the dome, but like he ends with saying, God bless America. Yeah. But yeah. he had
0: one of those campaign years where he was he watched, winning a lot. His Golden right. Globe speech is great and also yeah. is entirely different, zero overlap. Yeah. He donates it. Donates it. He dedicates it to a bunch of specific actors. I mean, there's this crazy stat that uh, I think Demi cast uh, over 50 actors in the film who actually had AIDS. And by the time the movie came out, uh, 40 of them had died. Wow. Yes. And so Hanks's Golden Globe speech <sighs> was him, like, dedicating right. the memory to a bunch of specific actors in this right. movie. Uh, what's his name? Ron Weitner? Vettner? Who's the actor who plays um, the the one sort of uh, member of the law firm? Yeah, the Vouches of him. for him. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he died. Mm-hmm. He was uh, died of AIDS. Right. Uh, I think uh, shortly after this movie came out, and it's one of the most horrifying stories I've ever read. Which is he had a massive uh, AIDS-related uh, heart attack while on a plane with Oof. his partner, and they were three hours away from landing. Mm. And his partner oh was God. like, I had never seen a dead body before, and I suddenly had to spend three hours sitting next to my dead partner. Oh, my God. Waiting. All right. Great. Isn't that the worst? <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, Thank okay. you, Dr. Sleep. Oh, yeah,
0: boy. No. Yeah. Um, 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 but, yes, it, it's kind of crazy. This movie was such a big hit. Right. After this, Hanks has a run for over a decade where he does 11 straight $100 million grocers. Yeah. I mean, including, like, Forrest Gump being the number one film of its year. Toy Story being the number one film of its year. same Private Ryan being the number one film of its year. Like, it was just like, Mm -hmm. he was the guy. Mm -hmm. He was constantly getting Oscar nominations or wins. He wins back to back. It's when he became America's dad.
2: Yeah. He had been like America's like fun cousin or older brother. And yeah. then he was like, no, no, no. And I think those speeches for Philadelphia kind of
0: helped solidify that. That's the thing. I it was think... like he's ready for this moment. He's ready to take on the responsibility of being That's like what I'm saying. the well, president it like of Hollywood. Exactly. It sounds yeah. like
3: he's running a campaign. And I, and I
0: think that there's something about
2: his character in this being from Pennsylvania and his character from Saving Private Ryan being from Pennsylvania because mm-hmm. it kind of locates him in like – He's it's not, it's not quite middle America, but it's sort of homey. Yeah. And, You're and it's, doing another and it's still us sort us. of liberal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I did say, when I ran, right? Yeah. Uh,
0: there, right? Because there is something. And, and this is my second Shyamalan movie. <laughs> this is right.
2: All movies set in Philadelphia, set in Philadelphia are directed by yeah. yeah. him, right? Yes. Yeah. He wrote Streets of Philadelphia. He wrote Streets of Philadelphia. It was about the streets of Philadelphia.
3: That's what the song that was. is his about.
2: inspiration, but it, it was very confusing when I was a kid because I would say I like that Bruce Springsteen song Philadelphia, and people would be like, "No, that's not actually the song. Philadelphia is the Neil Young song." That's right? True. Yeah. Um, ben, yeah, you're a New Jerseyan,
4: born in red. A Jersey Devil.
3: Now, of course, Bruce Springsteen also <laughs> a New Jerseyan. How Hell do yeah. you feel about the fact that he won an Oscar and one of his better-known songs is about mm. Philadelphia? His only mm.
4: Oscar. I don't like it.
3: (laughs) I remember at the time being aware that people were kind of like, yeah, this is sort of outside his comfort zone. Philadelphia. He
0: crossed state lines. Right. Is that why you, you fucking turncoat?
2: Is that why you quit the East Street Band, Ben?
3: Yes.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. B- boss, I love you. I just can't. I can't go in
0: the tunnel with love with you. And would, then you
2: handed your do rag to Steve Insan. <laughs> <laughs> like, would now you it's your be turn.
0: surprised at all if we opened up the booklet of an East Street Band CD and just saw that Ben was like <laughs> the just, triangle player? Well, you're the girl he invi- invites up on stage
4: in <laughs> Courtney Cox. Yes, is right. Courtney Cox.
0: Well, also look, we do know Bruce Springsteen sing loves redheads. It's true. The, the ben is his type.
4: I am definitely his type. Yeah. Um you know, also there's this famous song that Bruce I found out later covered called Jersey Girl. That was mm. a Tom Waits song. Sure. So again, yeah. another kind of sad moment for
3: me. Right, that he didn't originate
4: that. Yeah. Uh
3: no, it's just fine. I mean Atlantic City, that's that's about Jersey. Oh, that's a Bruce song. That's a good one. I'm trying to think of like very Jersey specific Bruce songs, obviously. A lot of his oeuvre.
4: Run into the turnpike. He
2: wrote the original score for Jersey Girl. Yes, he did. Yes, he no. did. Uh, and he also uh, shot that film and edited
3: it. He was know, the DP, right? Yeah,
2: he starred in it.
3: Uh, starred in it, right? Played the Jersey Girl. Well, there's the. Ta- he has a
4: song called "Taylor Ham Egg and Cheese"
3: <laughs> uh, off of Exit right. Twenty
4: Nine on the Parkway South.
3: He has this song called "Like I Love to Watch the Sopranos," and it's not clear whether or not I understand that the characters are unsympathetic. It's that's a good song about being from New Jersey. Depiction
0: (laughs) does not equal endorsement. (laughs) Uh, Now you know who's very good in Jersey Girl, Sir William Smith. Sir William Smith. Will Smith. He's a small role, correct? As himself, and he's really fucking good. When's he bad? It's but it's like one of his
3: better. No, no, no. It might be true, but when's he uh, when's he bad? Winter still, right? Like, are there things where he's
0: bad? There are well, right. Winters Tale is arguably the only one because even things that are bad, I think he's very committed in. Mm-hmm. He's usually committed. I'm trying to think like what's a bad Will Smith? Like I don't think he's bad in Suicide Squad.
3: No, he's good in Suicide. I just Su- think or right, whatever. He's right, but he's fine.
0: like doing his work.
2: He's fine yeah. in Wild Wild West, even though that movie's yeah. bad.
3: Yes, although that is a little bit him like coasting.
2: Yeah, bringing out the old bag of tricks, yeah. and you're like, eh, come on, man.
3: Like yeah. you but know, pretty electric. Yeah. Wild Wild West might be the closest to where I'm like you're not
2: doing much for me here, buddy. Uh, I don't think- really like him in After Earth. He's nah yeah, you're right. You know he's what? Bad That's that maybe movie. the worst. Yeah, he's bad because yeah, he's doing. I mean, he's, he's all wrong. I mean, I'm working against of another Shyamalan of film. Yeah. So yeah, yeah like, um, and yeah, he's doing that weird accent and it's, That's a weird it, all movie. his charisma is being sucked out of him sort right. of intentionally he's passing it on to his son
4: yeah trying he is the genie though he was the genie right? yeah and well he
0: is current
4: still yeah you're right
2: he actually retains those
4: powers and by the time this episode <laughs> comes
0: out he probably will have one best supporting actor right at the Oscars you never know Problem? on
2: the record <laughs> right I think yeah. Guy Ritchie's win really is gonna be a win for that whole film. Oh know? totally. Yeah,
3: will yeah, yeah. right. yeah. just yeah. be like here, right? He's the Alfonso Cuarón. I tried <laughs> so to watch, overdue
2: too. I tried to watch Aladdin on a plane uh, yeah. not too long ago and I had to turn it off. And like I have a really like plain movie like yeah. tolerance. Like I watched yesterday. Ugh. Like I watched that whole thing. But Wait, like you don't
0: think that movie made sense?
2: <laughs> yesterday?
0: You don't think that movie earned all of its sense? Yesterday? So? That yeah. movie's
3: air. Airtight <laughs> logic, yeah, yeah. Just like try to pull a string, you can't.
0: <laughs> it's just you know, all there. Oh, I'm gonna try and untangle, yep. but I can't do it.
2: This is yep.
3: No, this thing,
0: everything makes sense. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, like sense. that movie takes place in an alternate reality where the second someone gets dumped, someone else steps forward and goes, "Actually, I've always had a crush on you. You will not be single for longer than Don't a minute." Don't worry. Yeah,
2: that's yeah, perfect. Oh god. Um, but yeah, I couldn't finish Aladdin. Um, so boring.
3: Yeah, I, that's the that, that's my problem with all those Disney remakes that are very. Similar to the, it's like, I'm just like, yeah, I've seen this movie, and somehow it's longer and slower this time.
0: Like, it's just sort of like, what do you
2: got for me? I still haven't seen Lion King.
0: Well, that one's unwatchable. At least Aladdin, you're like, hey, look, it's Will Smith, right? Right. I want to bring up something that's been bugging me for a couple months now.
3: Here we we go.
0: When we did our, our Lion King episode, I argued, not argued, I stated the fact that the movie was half an hour longer. And you said, no, it's not, because of credits. Oh, sure, right, right, right. But that argument makes no sense because both of them have credits.
3: Sure, but I think the Disney credits
0: are very short, aren't they? I don't think
3: so. Uh, let's see, one eighteen for the Lion King. Uh huh. John Favreau's the Lion
0: King. That is so many tech people. It's essentially for an animated uh, film. Yeah. I think they both have very long credits. All right, maybe. Your I mean- argument was the animated film. I, I watched that stupid Favreau movie. It, it, if it's a half hour long, I don't know what he added. There's so like, much. two
3: things that suck. A bunch but of that's pauses. It. it wasn't half an hour worth. There were some pauses, probably.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Contemplative. There is that scene where
3: uh, Zazu just pauses for 20 yeah. minutes. <laughs>
2: and you hear you hear a gunshot in the distance. It's very check <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. A, a, a violin string snapping. Everyone looks up.
0: Our guest today yeah. is Richard Lawson. Oh, hello. Richard from Vandy Fair and Little Gold Man. Mm-hmm. Stop making podcasts. We're talking about Philadelphia. Yep. A movie where, uh, in my mind, so the first time I saw this movie was probably seven or eight years ago when it was on Netflix streaming. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember not even considering back in the days when every movie was on Netflix. Yes, right. right, right. Those the golden days. Right. When Netflix was a public. I mean, it is streaming on Netflix now. That's how
2: I watched it. But it is actually currently streaming. But it is one of four movies. It won't be when this airs. Right. 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 And
3: it's and it's classified under vintage movies, classic movies, black and white movies because of the poster. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, So you you so you'd never seen it before, and you saw it. Uh, like eight years ago. I remember flipping
0: through the channels when I was uh in college. I think the the communal TV in the lounge or the dorms or whatever, Mm -hmm. and seeing the aria scene. And being like, this is really weird. Mm-hmm. Why didn't anyone tell me that Philadelphia is this weird? Mm-hmm. Because I bought into, I feel like, the cultural reputation it's of this movie got immediately. Cheesy is, Oscar bait. This Bay. is the ultimate austere, issues-driven And Oscar it's like Bay. sanded
2: down and not risky and like, right. you know, whatever. Blah, it's right? kind that's of the, the replic- it, for a long time it was the stand-in. Yes. Totally. Like representative of that kind of movie. Which
0: is insane that that's this yeah. movie's reputation Here's how I because think- it, this is the outlier. Like this is what all of them should be. If Oscar films were like this, Oscar well, films wouldn't have a bad reputation. He's a better
3: filmmaker than almost anyone, which is part of what yes. he's bringing to the table. Really, watching right. this filmmaker.
0: whole filmography, you're kind of like, "This is an exceptional film. You can't filmmaker. argue that he had like the best body of work ever because no, it's but, it's you know he's got stinkers and whatever, but it is like he's kind of one of the best filmmakers who ever lived. I mean, you yeah. can just
2: make a conversation. What I li- what I like about it is that I, I, when a movie that could just be pretty straightforward and still have an emotional impact and maybe an yeah. awards impact he's just like no I'm going to actually like make a movie that's like artful right. but I think part of the reason that its reputation has been uh sort of muddied is that at the time and since certainly like larry kramer wrote a a, an op-ed about how much he hated the movie and how it wasn't the movie Mm -hmm. and i and i and i see those criticisms i I do i think in the lens of hindsight the movie looks better maybe than it did in the moment but i think that all that that coupled with just the regular hollywood narrative about like a feel-good oscar movie not feel good but you know right issue movie oscar movie um that also then was sort of deemed like A bad gay movie, like the wrong gay movie. It got that. And And, uh, and then it kind of just got buried by this kind of legacy. And then rewatching it for this podcast, I was like, holy shit, like this is is actually like a beautiful movie. It's a beautiful movie. It's a daring movie in
3: a lot of ways. Not so much in what we're talking about, what Larry Kramer is talking about so much, but like just in like, you wouldn't make a movie this way anymore. No, absolutely not. Um, Which is probably part of our like reverence of it from afar. And you're right that like in 1993, that's a pressure cooker time. AIDS is very much, like, ongoing and not at remotely solved, and the government is barely, like, acknowledging it still, right? Like, it's still right. this sort of, Angels like... Angels in
2: America's on Broadway in 93. Yeah, it's still like, just, like, people are, like, like,
3: shaking the gates, being like, what are you going to do about right. this? And yeah. so this movie maybe feels a little tepid. Yeah, well, And it gets tagged yes. with the kiss thing. And I right. feel like right. it's never gotten over that. There is a the brief kiss, the sort of chase yeah. Uh, yeah. hospital kiss, but, like, you know, that his relationship with Antonio Banderas is, you know, pretty on-screen, pretty chaste. Yeah, uh, and
0: there's this Janet Maslin review where she's like, his, his uh, the Antonio Banderas' boyfriend character is, uh, God, I want to find her exact line because I find it really dismissive and shitty. But she essentially says, like, it it would be uh, insulting to even call it a sketch of a character.
1: mm, mm -hmm.
0: And to which I go, like, Get out of here. Explain to me how the depiction of that character is any different than the depiction of Denzel's wife in the movie.
3: Right. He's a supporting character. I mean, I don't know.
0: Right, like I feel like those relationships are given equal amount of weight in this film. The only difference may be being that like, you know, there's a l- kissing. Right. But it's not like the Denzel wife relationship is really hot and heavy. No. Yeah, um, I mean, they just had a baby, and
2: like, like, easily. and because yeah, the core <laughs> relationship is obviously him and Denzel. Yeah, and like, as a, a the movie is like a roadmap, road roadmap toward empathy, yes, and right. and 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 that's kind of how it functioned in like popular culture back then. And so I, I'm willing to forgive if some spouse characters are like not quite fully drawn, you know,
0: right. because that's like that's thing. not what the I'm movie's like, about. I'm like, that's like, you know, a larger issue with spouse characters in films like this usually being right. half written. Um but wait, there was something so I think it got tagged with that. Mm-hmm. It got tagged with what you're talking about.
3: It didn't get a best picture nomination, Which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think And po- didn't that, get best director. Right. And so maybe that hurt it a little bit that like if you look at it on paper you're like well, that's the Tom Hanks Oscar right. movie, but like that's what that
2: was. And I think also it just got overshadowed by Forrest Gump the next year, where everyone was like, the definitive Tom Hanks movie of the early 90s was Tom, uh, Forrest Gump. And, I mean, and,
3: and that movie did a lot for, I feel like, for gay relations in, in America.
2: Forrest Gump? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, right. like, absolutely. that was the yeah, landmark. Yeah. Movie oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm Perfect. Like, like, there's a lot of like gay categorization. I'm a Sally Field Queen. You know, like, like
3: <laughs> <laughs> when I watch Forrest Gump the whole time, I just yeah. yell over and over again.
4: Nothing weird about this movie. No
3: problem.
4: I just I learned, keep yelling it. I learned a bunch about history from that movie. Yeah,
0: Totally. Uh, yeah. None of you folks listen to um Edward Norton Lock the Gate, right? I didn't listen to
3: that, although I certainly have read like 45 Edward Norton interviews. I should have asked to interview him. Everyone got to interview you him. Um, I just his movie blue. I just didn't want to be like it's yeah. always weird where you're like, do they know that I think their movie's a, a big old I doo-doo? was um
2: interviewing Tracy Letts for the podcast for our podcast, Little Gold Men, at work. Um, that that episode will have aired long after uh, before this co- goes on air but anyway uh, and he started the interview I asked him a first question he's like "Well, wait, wait let, let's back up here because um, you didn't like the movie did you it was for Ford vs Ferrari and I was like huh I guess I had tweeted something that, like you I said fell that asleep and I was like oh no it's just because it was late at night and whatever but I guess his publicist had read that to him and then booked this interview and I was like "What's? why are
0: you doing that that's like the conference call and getting someone to say something embarrassing about the other person Um. Edward Norton on uh, his WTF mm. weirdly goes to bat for Forrest Gump. Like very huh. empathetically. Edward? And he was like, but, but he's like, I understand the reputation that movie has. I think that movie is very canny and has a lot more bite than people give it credit for being. Which mm. I just thought was such a bizarre. I would not people expect Edward Norton to be like. Why not? He's like the king of like, Let me let me
3: stick up for the shit people don't like right now. I right? don't
0: know. But that's like a weird movie for him to be. It's funny. I mean, I but I've heard that take. You yeah, know, where
3: it's like, oh, come on, Forrest Gump is a satire, and I'm right, like, right, sly. I'm like, it's... Being there is a satire, and yeah. Forrest Gump is kind of like watered down. Being there with more sort of boomer, you know, sort of nostalgia. Yeah. Like right.
0: It's I don't think Forrest Gump is biting and, at all. And that is a movie that deals with AIDS in a way that is really that's uncomfortable. I'm, That's
3: the joke, I'm right? Getting. No, I know. I'm just gonna right. I'm
0: gonna state right. it directly. Yeah
2: it aids as punishment for yes. yeah. right.
0: for yeah. having sex right. Mm-hmm. right which this movie is trying to like counter that argument with every fiber well, of it's this movie has DNA.
3: a very like sort of clearly kind of inserted scene I'm not saying inserted in a bad way but like clearly importantly yeah a highlighted scene where the woman who has the transfusion is like I don't see myself as any different than this. Person. Exactly. You know, like yeah, yeah. where like yeah. they're trying to like sort of maybe like remove some of those stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: I think, it, name. you know, it cops to the fact that Andrew, you know, he had uh, sex with a guy in a movie theater like he was at a porn theater. Like like it doesn't t- desexualize him because that obviously is a part of the narrative right. in, in a way, in a big way. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not shaming in any way the way that Forrest Gump certainly is.
0: Jenna Maslin's line was: "Andrew's domestic relationship with Miguel is presented so sketchily that it barely seems real." Right. I don't. I don't. I I don't don't buy that either. I don't. I don't feel that watching the movie. I I don't either. I think both of them are so good. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things he's trying to do is not because he is skittish about showing like, uh, you know, sexual intimacy between gay people on screen, but because so often gay people in movies were demonized or sexualized Mm -hmm. to show a sort of like emotional intimacy, Mm -hmm. I, I think was more of a priority for him. And I think that really comes across. Yeah. yeah like, it, I think they speak to each other with the intimacy of two people who know each other that well uh, for that long.
3: There, are the, that
0: deeply in love with each Hanks other. talked about, like, you know, there were some scenes that they didn't include. Like, there's a
3: scene of them in bed together that's, like, a deleted scene. You know, It's like, like them
0: just talking right. in bed. Where there was right. maybe a
3: little more physical intimacy yeah. that maybe the studio... Who's the studio again? It's, uh, it's a Columbia. TriStar, right. Yeah. yeah, Bulked out. Yeah. You know, but, yes, obviously... As uh, context, we, we should note, right, like, part of Demi's reason for making this movie was the tremendous guilt he felt about the Silence of the Lambs. Well, so I did some more
0: research. It's a two-step thing. Okay. In 1988, his friend gets diagnosed with AIDS. Sure. He calls up Ron or I always get his name wrong. Nyswanner. Swanner, mm-hmm. uh, Who had done uh, much of the work on Swing Shift, uncredited, mm-hmm. for what he had tried to shoot. Uh, yep. That shooting script was mostly Ron's. And he calls him up and goes, like, my friend just— Got diagnosed with AIDS this is the first time it's become like a personal thing for me I am so overwhelmed by this I feel like I need to make a movie about like this is the only way I know how to process this and I feel like we need to do this culturally like someone needs to make the movie showing people with AIDS as human beings yeah and not longtime companion and not and the band played on where it's sort of very it's, it's more
3: procedural sort of
0: and it's historical it's, counting like right and the, the story side. is just the illness. Right. You know, I think they want to find a way to make a film that starred someone who was HIV positive that wasn't solely about and them dying. It's,
2: it's in the comfortable packaging of a courtroom drama, which is a very familiar trope for people. And so, so it's, and
0: a, it's so a good – In the 90s was like the hottest yeah. Well, this is the crazy around. thing. Right. So they commit – in the 80s, they're like, we're going to do this. And then they talk it up and they're like, this is what would really actually change the culture is like if we made a big studio film with movie stars. Mm -hmm. And that was their, like, design. But they're designing this before Silence of the Lambs, where the idea of getting that made seemed probably impossible. But they work on the script for years and years and years at the starting point of we want to make up a story that can center around uh, a a HIV-positive protagonist and can sort of show these people in a greater light and, uh, you know, remove a lot of the stigma. Um, The original idea was they were going to do something closer to Dallas Buyers Club weirdly. Mm -hmm. They said their original idea was more of a thriller heist movie that was about getting medicine across Mm -hmm. the border. They went through a thousand different genres. They went through a thousand different characters, different situations. And then they finally landed on the courtroom drama because they were like that is a thing that gives him agency and keeps him invested in the story even while he's dying because we don't want to do a deathbed movie. We don't mm-hmm. want to do a movie that's him just going through treatment, you know, and getting worse and worse and worse and worse. We want there to be some sort uh, of yeah, I mean, a victory narrative. that yeah. can still be achieved. Sure. Yeah. It is also based on a real person. It was loosely based on a couple real people. And but one, one of the person. families got upset because they,
2: they thought that they, that they had sort of mined this, their, yeah. their dead son. Well, sons. they didn't get money for it. So they yeah.
0: sued yeah. and they yeah. got yeah. money for it. Right. But I also think it is to this movie's advantage that it is not – that concerned with being a based on a true story. No, it's story not. It's movie. not.
3: It's very consciously not advertising itself as that. But right. I mean, they did have they they did. saw
0: a case yes. that gave them a precedent for this would be a good structure for 100%. this movie, and it sets up the
2: world of Glass and Unbreakable like I think really well. Totally, you know, uh, just in subtle ways, but right. but but crucial ones.
0: Do you know what he calls that now?
2: I do,
3: but I've forgotten, so you're going to have to remind me.
0: It's like the East Rail 1717 trilogy. It's something. Like I'm that. getting the number wrong. It's, it's the
3: name of the train <laughs> crash. You're correct. Right. But okay. that's his
0: version of, like, Three Cornettos is, like, all three movies are about this train crash. The East Rail 177
3: trilogy, which is weird because you could just call it the Unbreakable trilogy, uh-huh. and that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, look, you can buy a box set now with a labeled East Rail 177.
0: Yeah. Maybe you want to. You can take the train. Don't all no, don't
3: take that train. All no, aboard. it's gonna crash. <laughs> Mr. Glass has been sabotaging it. Um, but yeah, anyway, you're right. Mr. Glass obviously is in the film. We see him,
0: yeah. and he's uh, he orchestrates the entire.
3: Thing. No, it's, he just has a 20 minute monologue about comic books in the middle of the movie, yeah. and it's very subtle and
0: nuanced. I mm-hmm. love that fucking movie. <laughs> sure, um, but uh, yes, the, obviously, Sansa Lambs gives him the juice to make whatever the fuck he wants next. Um, and it is, you know, to his credit that also now burdened with this sort of sense of, um, uh, I, he I, felt bad. Yeah, I was trying to. I, He'd been picketed like for that movie. You know, by it's not LGBT shame or embarrassment, t- but I think he genuinely activists. was such an empathetic guy and tried so hard to do right. And has talked a lot about how much he believed in the importance of what you put on screen, how much that can change right. dialogue. Yeah. You know, and perceptions of things and how we have a responsibility to not put the wrong sort of depictions on screen and things like that. I think that really ate at him. And so, whereas this had already been a script that he was working on for a couple of years, this just became the thing that he I put mean, all of his juice behind. Everything Griffin just said is not true. What happened was Bruce Springsteen
3: wrote a song about the streets right. of Philadelphia. Yeah. Bruce he Springsteen walked up and down
2: though. Yeah. His, his bus broke down on the way to New York <laughs> City. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> well, no, no, no. yeah.
3: And then he called Demi and was like, I was just on the streets of Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. No, of he stories. said, I was just on the streets, the streets of Philadelphia. And yeah. Jimmy went, no, 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 no. Like that. <laughs> Jimmy? <laughs> yeah.
0: Demi. I said Demi. You said Jimmy. I said Demi. You said Jimmy. Jimmy Demi. I'm try- trying to say Demi. Okay.
3: I love how this film opens with the streets of Philadelphia. A very long credit sequence, which mm-hmm. you don't get enough of those anymore anyway. Nope. It's a thing we've
0: talked about in other demis too. With, I love I mean, that he credits with, every single really, actor with the, a line. I mean, well, the yeah. actor,
3: it's it becomes a brag where like right. Anna DeVere Smith is like twenty-sixth yeah. right. right or whatever. Yeah. Right? Where he's just like,
2: No, you won't I got more. I got so many you character know, actors in this thing. Karen Finley's in that movie. Yeah. She plays one of the doctors.
0: Dowd, Chandra Wilson. An- young Chandra and, uh, Wilson? Yeah. yeah. Playing um, a
2: character named Chandra.
0: Yeah. And then mm-hmm.
3: what is what are the credits playing over? Joanna was just like, man, you never see credits like this anymore. Yeah. Where it's just like, well, it's Philadelphia, it's right? And the
2: credits are like pre-comma by your name. Like handwriting font, you know? the handwriting mm-hmm. font
3: um, reminded me most of all of Beverly
0: Hills Cop, one of my favorite opening sure. credits. Sure, where it's just the streets of Detroit.
3: Yeah, and it's just again, just like give me a little.
0: Get, well, the one the warm me up. The one that it reminds me of is uh, Dog Day Afternoon. That's another one. Right, any of those where it's just like take the cast iron out, right. Put it on the oven.
3: Yeah, throw it turn on the John. flames. Just just warm it up. Yeah, you're
0: warming me up to get being me. in
3: Philadelphia.
0: You know, Philadelphia is a people, not a place. Okay. And that's what Demi's trying to explain. It doesn't matter if their ship crashes out of the sky and Philadelphia to relocate. Everyone gets on a spaceship. Border in New Jersey. Yeah, right. This isn't one of these movies with the sort of like pompous self seriousness of like, look at us, we're making the definitive. It doesn't
2: indicate, while also still feeling like. I mean, maybe it's just hindsight, but like of like twenty six years, but, like, it feels like it's aware of its solemn duty. Yes. And yet doesn't get caught up in that. Yeah, it doesn't same, feel which is, too self-important.
0: Yeah. Right? When you read like, a uh, Nice Warner talking about and Demi talking about before he passed, they, it was such a dangerous line they were sort of towing because they were like we want to make a big Hollywood AIDS movie mm-hmm. but we want to make an AIDS movie that doesn't feel like it is the AIDS movie like it is the film right because you're always going to be in trouble with that statement with so we're right. going to make yeah. the, the Hollywood AIDS and version. and right. they both said that they were terrified making this movie because they knew like everything was going to get so picked over as like this is the one that everyone's been waiting for yeah and and every element is going to be sort of taken apart for whether or not this is the correct representation And so I think they very smartly tried to really focus in on a story that they could use as, like, an entry point for the things they want to say and the dialogue they want to open up in the culture and not trying to make a movie about everything. But then the film's reputation has so much become it's about everything. And even, like, the seriousness of that poster – is so different than the handwritten font Mm -hmm. and the sort of uh, expressionistic qualities of the filmmaking itself Mm -hmm. and the humor to the movie Mm -hmm. We're just like – I just for years was like – as like an insane movie dork who in high school was like trying to get through Oscar movies all the time. I was like, I don't ever have to watch Philadelphia, right? I mean that's just like – I know what that is. I've seen people parody this type of thing. I know. I see the poster – I don't want to watch this. And then it was like watching that like three minutes on TV flipping through channels. I was like, oh, no, this is a Jonathan Demme movie. Mm-hmm. This isn't just him like doing that weird watered down thing that happens to people after they win an Oscar.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it. it it's genuinely an artful movie. And like I think it also it it has a humor to it that I think yeah. is really great. You know, I just um, at Toronto this year. um, I saw Just Mercy, which is this da- d- Destin Daniel Cretton yes. movie th- about a very serious issue about, yes. um, you know, wrongful imprisonment, and 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 it's it's well acted. It's an interesting story, but it's just so like
3: and that film straightforward is, and plain is. and
2: just like literal. And there's no human. It's just so, and it's like you, you can, can do, you can still make the important message and well, have it be because
0: well, that's what Short Term 12 does. I feel like we've been talking about this a lot in the podcast, but it is that weird thing where it's like he made his film. That deals with serious things, that doesn't feel burdened by the weight of, we're right. talking about serious films, that has personality, has eccentricities, is funny. And then he's followed up with two films where he feels totally flattened out yeah. by, I well, need to make a serious commercial film.
3: It's, I think the thing he ran into with that movie, that is the thing this movie avoids, is that when you're making a movie about a real person who has done great Undeniable acts Yes, you do not want to fuck with them, right? And so the movie is very plainly presenting them, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like you know, in and of itself, you wish it had more personality, but it lacks personality. Right. It feels a little bit like, and then this happened, and you're like, oh, good. And it's like, it was good. Yeah, let's move to the next thing that happened. And you're like, oh, this is good too, and you're like, mm-hmm. and the movie's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was good. I agree. And the you, we saw that movie at the you probably were at the premiere, right? Yeah. Was, you know. The guy walks out, um I'm now blanking on his uh, name. Michael B. Jordan. And he did walk out uh, and he looked great. I'll give you that. Brian something? Uh yeah, Brian, I just wanna Brian Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um and uh you know, he walks out, he gets a huge round of applause and you're like, this is a serious person. This is yeah. a man yeah, who's yeah. worked On death row to, like, you know, bring humanity and save people. I'm like, yeah, I would, too, would feel very indebted to this, you But that's why, look. Representing his personal story,
0: right? The the man whose case inspired this film, they should have paid him up front. Yeah, they should have paid him up front. But But I I do think it is the smartest strategic move he made in developing this film to not go, we're going to adapt this Mm -hmm. court case, but rather go, this gives me an idea for how to structure this film. Because the freedom this movie has by being able to weave characters out of whole cloth yeah, like I mean, the, the the Denzel character is the entire key to this movie being as interesting as it is, and he's sense.
2: secretly the lead.
3: He's yeah. secretly the yeah. lead. Should have been Oscar nominated. Hanks, Hanks is it's a supporting. fantastic
2: performance. Hanks I mean, arguably, I think nowadays, I think, nowadays, think, I think nowadays they would have run Denzel so. in lead and Hanks in supporting. Him. It's
3: not impossible, except for that. Of course, Hanks was a big movie star. He's right. her first build and all that. I think they're both leads. The movie is more, I, in my memory, Denzel really dominated the movie. Yeah. And on rewatch, I was like, no, Hanks does, yeah. uh, you know, have the first chunk of the movie all to himself and then has these big scenes sort of interspersed through. So it's right. not It's not
0: really what but I Well Aside remember. from the fact that obviously all the courtroom scenes are more Denzel showcases. Of course. Right. And, and at that point, Hanks is playing a man who can struggles to speak. I mean, right. he's very and after infirm. The right. first, first third, you get more of Denzel's home life. Yes. Yeah. Which is such a Demi thing to like really – to not make it a binary thing mm-hmm. about like, oh, oh, this friendship changed their lives. You know, I I feel like he is very smart about not making it feel like, oh, uh, uh, knowing someone with AIDS has cured him of his bigotry. Right. Well,
3: uh, right. that Joanna was like, wait, is the end of this movie going to be that he turn, turns out he's not homophobic anymore? And I'm like. No, no, no. It's not, it's not like that. because well, it's less, about, it's, it's a movie right. about he the beginning that of that. He understands a person, exactly. Yeah. And,
2: and, and, and I think that Demi and the production team saw the movie as being the beginning of something like that, you know? Right. So it, 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 has this meta sort of context. But can we locate Denzel and Tom Hanks? where Yes, they, yes, because, yes please. so he, had, Hanks had just done League of the Around the year before, right? That's, gonna, is that uh, I, We can okay. do this. Yeah. Um, okay. But I, I, while, while
3: I'm just getting the filmography straight as well, I just, you know, what's What's your story with this movie? When did you see it, Richard?
2: So I saw this movie probably shortly after it came out on video, mm-hmm. like when I was probably 10 or 11 years old. Mm-hmm. So my uncle, my mom's brother died of AIDS in 1985 along with his partner, all their friends on Fire Island and yeah. New York. And and so AIDS had always sort of loomed very large in in my like family history, my sure. family lore. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like this movie that I had to see and I think, you know, I was young but I probably – understood something subconsciously about myself that i felt drawn to it um and i i i I have very little memory of seeing it the first time same um i remember thinking it was sad you know um and but now seeing it now i mean i can't help but you know i think about this going to see angels america i'm gonna go see the inheritance soon i just think about like what if like bobby finger and dan daddario and all like like all died You know, like how fucking surreal that would be. And like, I, I, it just, it shakes me And even like my mom was not gay,
0: but lived in New York. Like it was just that. It was right. You have all these friends
3: who just suddenly
0: all get sick and die in their thirties. I mean, it's that thing people say of like, we'll never know the loss to culture that AIDS took. Right, The toll it took in terms of all the art we never got to see and all the artists who never got to develop in the second acts of their careers that never went on. I, I mean, my, my parents were in New York. In and around, you know, various art scenes in the 80s. And uh, uh, one year, my, my mom, as like a birthday present for my dad, uh, years before I was born when they were dating, made this really fucking weird short film where my mom is playing my father. And it's like a 10-minute comedy short that's like a day in the life of Peter Newman. My mom's doing this very bizarre impression of my father in male drag. Sure, and uh, w- good. when it's it's okay. It won Best Picture that year, <laughs> but um, one year my mom, as a present, like digitized it and brought on DVD, and like you know we watched it when I was in like high school or whatever. Right, right. And I'm watching it, and it's like, oh, we're making fun of all the daily parts of his routine, and this everyone else in the short are my parents' best friends from that time. I and I was watching it, ridiculous. yeah, and I was like, who are all of these people? I know none of these people, and. Seventy five percent of them were oh he died of AIDS she died right. of AIDS like yeah. they all had AIDS right. and the other twenty five percent were my father's gambling. I was about buddies. to say I thought it was right. more right.
3: It was like half that and then half. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was well, this guy was your bookie and this guy was your. But t- it was that crazy thing where I think back to it and I'm like when by the time I was born my parents seemingly had very few old friends. Right. There yeah. was a core group, but you could count them probably on mm-hmm. one hand. And then I saw most of my parents' friend base develop throughout my lifetime in a city that they had already been living in each for over a decade. And I never really thought about, like, why don't they have more friends? Mm -hmm. Who are they hanging out with before this? It can't just be, like, Susan and Greg. Like, there has to have been more than this. And the answer is that just, like, everyone fucking disappeared. Everyone just died horrifically. But the thing I want to bring up is that after an '80s career
3: that was heavy on comedies, yeah, let's Hanks get was beginning to transition into yes. more serious roles, right,
0: yeah. right,
2: right. And, the, but, and this was, was like the the one that really was like okay, yes. so
0: to, big's a turning point because he gets an Oscar nomination. Absolutely. It's a comedy, that then right. gets after taken his seriously. Fun
3: earlier career from like uh, Bosom and Buddies and then uh, Splash, yeah. Man, Man with the Money, Money Pit, yeah Pig. Joe
2: vs. Volcano, well, Joe
3: vs. Volcano is a little later. Uh, got turn and Hooch but that's that's your 80s up to the 90s right Turn
0: and Hooch is like kind of his last
3: dumb comedy
0: right yes because it's after Big but before Philadelphia it depends
3: on how you'd classify Joe versus the Volcano I would say but yes which is or the tourist or sure. lady colors <laughs> well
2: sure
0: yeah um, not, not the tourist the, com-
2: uh, the- yeah, The Terminal. The Terminal, thank
3: you. Joe
0: versus Volcano is, it's, a, t- it's, it's too exact, esoteric to be considered exact, a big dumbass. I, mean, I mean, it's a John Patrick Shanley right. movie, it's, right? right. So it's, it's like post it's right. yeah Right. Um, Turner and Hooch is like, here's the pitch. It's Hanks with a dog. <laughs> yeah, And the movie was greenlit, you know, <laughs> right. before they wrote the script.
2: And then Jim Belushi did K-9, directed yes. by Catherine Bicklow. <laughs> um,
0: 1990. A- a Canine, so it's just,
3: it's important to remember that after Big, He had a slightly rocky few years. Well, because
0: then bonfire's right afterwards. Well, that's what I'm getting to. He has the burbs, which is good. Herbs is very uh, good, which we'll hopefully I think, cover someday on this it was a mid, mid-tier
3: hit, not, not a big hit. More of a cult hit was right, disappointment exactly. when it came out. Exactly. Turner and Hooch, you know, no one really wants to be in Turner big and Hooch.
2: Big hit, embarrassing. That movie we were, like, not allowed to watch in my household growing up because all, all our friends, of course, had seen it, right. and my mom just thought it looked crass.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it does, it does just, look crass. Joe vs. the Volcano, which is a pretty famous flop at the time. Right. Bonfire of the Vanities, which is a notorious flop. Yeah. Yes.
0: Like, really, even now, remember, but really at the time, people were like, oh, my God. Like, this is a disaster. And, like, one of the first movies in, like, sort of a vaguely modern media era where people were all in on reading like, about what a fucking shit, disaster right? it and was. Movie, the book became a bestseller, The Devil's Candy. A movie I've seen that, I mean. A book about. I don't
3: film. actually hate the film, but, I mean, Hanks is almost, is one of the worst things about it. And, and, that's the other thing. Cast. It's not
0: just that the movie is a disaster, but it's also, like, this is the largest of the film's many problems is Hanks in this role.
3: Him and Griffith are just terrible.
0: They're just terrible. They cast that entire film wrong. I mean, they just cast big stars, but yeah. It's kind of stunning, yeah. Then he does. Then he Because that movie almost works better if you flip Hanks and Willis.
3: Well, I think Willis is good in that movie. Um, but whatever. Well, you know, okay. one day maybe we'll do De Palma. It's maybe. not impossible. Holy man. A lot of movie. Yeah. I um, claim
2: Snake Eyes. Yeah. Let's do it. That's a wild movie. <laughs> That's a wild, That's wild movie. Snake Eyes kind of fucks.
3: Yes, yeah. it does. Um... So then he kind of takes it easy, and in 92, two years later, his next movie is A League of Their Own, which
0: he is amazing in. But he mm-hmm. was not supposed to do that, right? Wasn't it supposed to be someone else? I, I remember him possible. being a late replacement. I mean, it's very much a
3: supporting role. And, uh, and
0: at yeah. the time, it was like, oh, this is a change of pace for Hanks. He's playing an asshole. He's playing a yeah. jerk. He's playing a right. drunk. Because even when he was in comedies, he was always playing kind of like the goofy boyish, you know. A hundred percent. I'm trying to see who he replaced. That was a real. He replaced someone. I want. I, I want to say it was a much older actor who was more obvious fit for that character type. Uh, yeah.
3: I mean, the thing about it is, he's not. That's the thing. He was like, I'm too young for this. And Penny Marshall is like, you're you're supposed to be young because you're supposed to be a baseball player, right? Who just got washed up, right? Right. Like you're not supposed to be an old guy. It's hard living. Um, yeah. Right. And so he gained all this weight, and it doesn't say. Yeah, uh, yeah but, uh, it, it was someone. I'm I love him. In it's not like Harrison Ford, but it was like someone like that. And then in 1993, the year Philadelphia comes out, mm-hmm. he also is in Sleepless, Sleepless in, in Seattle, Seattle, which is a fantastic mm. movie. Yeah.
2: So he and Denzel both had enormous 1993s. Yes, they did. Yeah, because uh, there's the Pelican Brief yeah. for Denzel in 1993. We'll get to Denzel in a sec.
3: Yeah. Uh, I love Sleepless in Seattle. I have mm-hmm. seen it one million times. It's a great. Movie. Sometimes people come to me and they try to say things like, "Well, I don't like that film," or "I have." Some objections to the plot of that film, where I have a thing to say about it, and I'm like, I don't no. care.
2: I don't want
0: to hear about I it. I have never seen it.
2: Well,
3: that's weird oh, and stupid. It's good. And an arguments
0: for hell. doing Nora Ephron. Well,
2: let's do and it. And you know who has one probably the best scene in the movie? Rita Wilson.
3: <sighs> Rita Wilson has an incredible scene in that movie. But yeah. Rosie O'Donnell has an, a couple incredible. There's yeah. a lot of great. David Hyde Pierce has one great scene in that movie. You know what my
2: favorite character is though? The city of New York.
3: Mmm. It's almost hits your eye, like, like, a big like pizza it's eye. a character in the yeah. film. <laughs> um. I love Sleepless in Seattle, Mm -hmm. and that really, I think, is the movie that's like Tom Hanks is, as you're saying, he's sort of the People magazine cover, guy you want to marry in a sweater. Like, this is it.
0: This is America's man. The sweater's a big part of it, and it also is that thing where you're just like, who could not like Tom Hanks? Yeah, right. Like, even if he isn't your favorite, there's nothing. It's weird. He's specific and weird enough as an actor without having any type of personality Quirk that could be off-putting to a group of people. He's Pennsylvania. You know what I'm yeah. He's Pennsylvania. He's Pennsylvania. Sort of right. right. like, like
3: exactly. Yeah. Right. He's
0: been around forever. We yeah. all agree. Yeah. Right. And that's
3: that. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's partly why he can take a role like this without too much concern about his although, star image. You, know, you know, certainly it was a, yes. a, a, at the time a quote-unquote risky thing to I do. I mean, no right? one at you this know? time wants to be playing doubt, a gay right.
0: character. Period. Right. Let alone someone who is dying of AIDS. He was like interested with
2: the role as, like, a steward of it. Like, it was like, we think that he will be responsible about this. You and, know? Like, like,
3: he's not like an... act. You know, I feel like some of the big stars of the era, like your Bruce Willis, right? they're right. more action stars, right. maybe their agents would be like, no, you can't, buy right. it. what are you talking right. about? But right. right, he was like comedies like, and he's dramas. He's more of a comedy. He's not going to try right. to be
0: an action guy. He's not even going to try to do, like, a Nick Cage pivot post-Oscar. No. No. Um then, that, that takes another 15 years for him to throw back the hair and become Robert Langdon. Denzel Washington. Yeah. Right? He's a hot young actor wins the Oscar in 89
3: he's already well but like before then you know he's like he was in Cry Freedom he got an Oscar nomination he was on St. Elsewhere for many years yeah then right Glory he gets his Oscar Mm
0: -hmm. supporting Oscar Mm -hmm. so it's like here's the guy
2: right yeah and then who did he beat that year for the Oscar I'm just curious
0: 89 Danny Aiello let's get into it Dan Aykroyd I think you're right. Right? Because I'm, I'm yeah. just thinking, you yeah. guys do the right thing and, and drive Miss Daisy. So you have Iello, Washington. Are you looking at the list right now? Mm-hmm. Are the other two in Best Picture nominees? Mm-hmm. One is like a legend. Maybe mm-hmm. his last nomination. Is it uh, Alec Guinness? No. And, okay. Marlon
3: Brando for a dry white season. Yeah. Like I knew it was of one of those yep. two. And then the other one is an incredible performance from a guy who will win an Oscar in a couple of years. Ben's nodding empathetically. Yeah. Uh, in a comedy uh, drama, comedy drama, New York. You know who I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> I know who I know who you're talking about. I, I mean, you know the director I'm talking about. Oh, this is, yeah, oh, you know. it, uh, this is a uh, passion. No, no. Who is no, I'm it? I'm not talking about Scorsese. Yeah. You? The other New York guy. Well, you know, we don't talk about him too much anymore. Yeah, I know, but now I'm trying to think what performance it is. It's
3: such a good performance. Uh, Maybe this, arguably this guy's best
0: movie. Really? I would say. Oh, it's Landau and Crimson Misdemeanors? Yeah. Yeah. An incredible performance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone in that movie's good. Yeah, that's an incredible performance. And Um, this was the run of Landau just kept on, like, he reestablished himself as an older actor, and he kept on getting those nominations. Mm -hmm. What's up
4: with the Ackroyd? Like, I've never seen Driving Miss Daisy. He plays her son. He's, I would,
2: I mean. Right? Yes, he does. He's
4: not
3: bad in the film. I think it
0: was more of a sort of like. I've never seen that either. Yeah.
3: I think it was sort of like a, well, you're in this big movie that we're, we love. Right. You've been around, so it's, here sure. you go, here's your nomination. It was so
0: big culturally. Like, it's kind of yeah. crazy to think about, like, because those SNL guys hit so fucking huge, and at that specific moment in 89, Bill Murray was essentially just coming out of his sabbatical. Chevy Chase had already started building he a bad reputation. And, right, and Belushi yeah. had died. Yeah. And those were the four guys that were like, one of these guys is going to be a major major movie star it's kind of one of those classic like right like oh you're the comedian in a serious movie like look right. at you and he does yeah. like a respectable yeah. job like that he's, I've, fine. I've he's fine like yeah. had
2: Albert Brooks got nominated for Drive
0: yeah but that's that, even more of, yeah. of a like wow what a stretch yeah. what a range right. in my, I've seen the
3: film in my memory he mostly is just sort of like my god you're so annoying yeah and
2: right. she's yeah. like yeah. well I don't know Right, For, and then Morgan Freeman uh, drives around the south. It's like oh,
4: And, I'll drive and, and then you Jessica Tandy friends. folds a pizza in half. I and
0: knew it. <laughs> knew it, knew it, knew was going to get to great book. First SNL character, uh, a cast member to get an Oscar nomination. That sounds right. Right. I yeah. think there's six in total. I did this trivia once, mm-hmm. but it's Murphy right. Ellen Murray, Cricorn, Ellen Cleghorn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry.
3: I just
2: love saying her, well, Victoria, her name. Melanie Hutzel. Victoria Jackson is getting the Thalberg Prize. She's here, the right? president. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. right. You know, right. right.
0: Uh, no, but the Greenberg thing is kind of work, worth comparing. Greenberg or Green Book? Green Book? Green Book. I just stopped being able to speak What English. if in Greenberg, <laughs> Greta <laughs> Gerwig had folded <laughs> a big pizza? <laughs> Pizza's too big. I'm going to write a letter. A to
2: the local G- office. Teaches Ben Stiller how to eat fried chicken. Oh, boy. Have to pool overflow?
3: That's my favorite line in Greenberg. I think Greenberg's really good.
2: Greenberg rules. Good Greenberg's money. great. Yeah, really good I money. just
3: love
0: Can a Pool Overflow? And, it's like, and he's like, what?
3: Yes! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs>
0: That's such a good sweater movie. Good sweater. Ben Stiller's sweater collection in that film is so on point. But then, anyway, I wanted to give you. Oh, Denzel's Denzel. early. I'll get to the, the Green Books post glory Okay, yeah.
3: Yeah, you know, we. You know, do we need to talk Green Books? I think we do, no, but we'll get to it later. No,
0: no. Close it. Close to Open the book. Yeah. No, it's closed. We're it's open the book. book. No. Close the pizza. Okay, I'm putting it back on the shelf. Although I show. do have a sketch
3: that's. Um, Fuck, I don't even remember that. Tony Lip sees Philadelphia. Of course. I suppose that is probably cancelable. Honestly. Yeah. Um, What's wrong with that guy? <laughs> oh, no, actually, I forgot that uh, Tony Lip is a woke king, woke right. king about yeah. gayness. Oh, right. yeah, that's fine. I see that like, like, hey, What are you going to do? Time? Go yeah. to the wife. Fuck yeah. a guy. Yeah. I do it too. Yeah. We all
2: do it. I drink out of a gay guy's glass. <laughs> I don't care.
3: Yeah, because that's the scene, the deleted scene is she's, she's like, why'd you throw these cups in the garbage. And he's like, well, because a black guy touched him. She was like, but they were gay. And he's like, oh! And he takes him out and he pours water and him. He's like, I love it.
0: it! You think I'm gonna serve a black yeah. g- glass to a gay guy? <laughs> I respect my gay brothers too much. They're carefully labeled,
2: World King. Yeah.
3: Alright, so in the 90s, mm-hmm. a post-Oscar, yeah. it's sort of, I think it's partly like, well, here's Denzel, here's it's still incredibly rare for a black actor to have an Oscar. He might yes. have been like the third or fourth uh, black actor to get an Oscar. Yeah, Very him. rare. Yeah, yeah. And so. Lugasa. Lugasa. Ciddi Poitier. Hattie. You know, like there's only Jaime a few. Daniel. You know. Yeah. Um, anyway. Mobetta Blues, which he's fantastic in. Incredible performance. Never seen that. Yeah. Uh, sp- early Spike Lee yeah. movie. You got Mississippi Masala, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, a nice. Yeah. But like these are
2: not big
0: movies. No. Is that right? Annabelle Shiora in that? No. No, it's uh, that's um, Jungle uh, Fever, yeah, that she's in. Uh, Mississippi, it's a, is uh what's her name, Sarita. Oh, Sh- Sarita Shad- Shad- Chaudhary, right right right, um, right, 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 You got Ricochet
3: with uh, John Lithgow and Ice Tea. That's, that's a good the beginning movie. of his thrillers. Um, I mean, that is
0: kind of the thing that for me uh, makes Denzel distinct. Mm. Is no matter how fucking rote and boilerplate the thriller is, he always feels like he's giving the exact same level of performance. You know, like, when you see him in, like, the fucking Equalizer, you're like, this guy's not phoning it in. No. Like, this movie is not worthy of this performance, and there's only so much shit he can stuff into, like, a bag. Yeah. But it never feels like there's a disconnect between the type of work and craft he's putting Mm. into a shitty thriller versus a real meaty drama.
2: Yeah, no, he has the same it applies the same intensity. Like, what's that great little movie Out of Time? Yeah, great movie. Of that's like, great. Cool of like, that. he's always yeah. giving
0: you full yeah. intensity. Oh, yeah. He's
2: even good in Fallen, which is a bad movie. Fallen's pretty bad.
0: Yeah, but Ricochet, um, yes, I guess Ricochet's the start yeah, of an Denzel early, right, gun. where
3: he's like, let me just do an airplane thriller. Essentially. Right. Right. Yeah. right,
0: right. Um, it also is thriller. it is interesting that he wins right. for supporting, mm-hmm. but he is sort of such like an emotional crux of glory. And yes. before that, in his career, he'd been like a TV lead, but more the supporting TV's, in films. TV supporting. He's supporting on. Saint he Oscar. was a supporting guy, but he was yeah. so fucking handsome and so charismatic Very that handsome. they were like, "I guess this guy has to be a leading man now." Right. I think it's the Oscar that makes him a leading man. Before that's like, then no, I'm he's saying after the Oscar. Yeah, then they're yeah, like, "We're right, not going right, to keep right. on bringing him in as no, like the supporting." I'm saying, right? player. It's like
3: let's find him some roles, and then yeah. those early roles are more indie movies. Ricochet is like mm-hmm. a thriller. and then he does Malcolm X in 1992, which is a huge performance. A big deal. Um, and it's much hyped, but he loses the Oscar. And, of course, part of the reason he loses the Oscar is because he had just won an Oscar. And it was Scent of a Woman?
2: It was Pacino that year. Yeah.
3: Um, Hua. Hua, exactly. It's Um,
2: insane that that there was a movie called Scent of a Woman.
0: Well, it's about uh, About the Scent of a Woman makes you go... It's crazy that it was released in Smell-O-Vision. That's almost the most bizarre... But you can only smell Pacino. (laughs) That was the problem.
4: He was like, "I'll
2: donate my scent yeah. to the
0: film." It was, it was just uh, stale cigars. Do you think that when Pacino that was, was watching scent.
2: Batman Forever, he was like, "That's the kid from the picture."
3: <laughs> I know him. He's wearing a mask, but I can tell. <laughs> I can see past that little domino. <laughs> And then in nineteen ninety three. Yeah. And Malcolm X I think is just even though it was maybe not the biggest hit of the year and not the biggest Oscar but winner it was of the a year, big was hit was a culturally significant film.
0: It was a, a huge performance well film. and yeah. people were like, This performance should win. I feel like the the like obviously Pacino's overdue. Denzel just won, but this is a towering historic performance. And in 1993,
3: he has the Pelican Brief, which we discussed, which is a big box office hit. Perfectly. His first movie
0: to make 100 mil.
3: Uh, that sounds right. With him as the lead, yeah. um, it had you have a supporting role in Much Ado About Nothing, which
2: he is
0: very handsome. Right? Oh uh, my god, agreed.
2: that's a lovely movie.
3: He is,
0: is. such right. a fucking snack Ooh. at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of insane. I mean, it would, that him. was... Uh, Look at him over there. It's a uh, oh. b- body like Arnold, face like Denzel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were the two ideals.
3: 100%. And then he has this film. And I do feel like this film is remembered as the Tom Hanks show, and Tom Hanks won the Oscar and all that. He is fucking he is unbelievable in this Incredible movie. in the movie, yeah. and very important to its success, I would say. Yeah. Uh, just, oh, yeah. You know, and like, yeah. it's, uh Yeah. I think the movie functions
0: be- better because you have a character like his and a performance like his. Totally. And I think he's the lead of the film. Sure. I think sure. it is a film it's that a you could argue hander. as two leads, but yeah, I, I would place him in lead as a, a category thing.
3: They're both on the ballot for me that year. Yeah. They are both made the five. It's I d- hard to d- do. Wow. Denzel
0: would be my pick over Hanks, though. I, neither wins for me. Who wins for this? Neeson. One? Neeson and in... Schindler. I forgot this was the That's an Schindler year. performance.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, like, so I do this thing at work where I recap Oscar ceremonies yeah, like twenty five years ago, yeah. which is like uh, back breaking, horrible work. But like, oh, we love to it, see it. It pays off in the end. But anyway, watching the broadcast um, for the 90- nineteen ninety four ceremony, so mm-hmm. for this year's crop yep. of movies. Right it was just crazy like what a year that was for like important movies with yeah. important things to say. It's a big year. like
3: it's it was also just, The Piano yeah. which is a great movie but this is what, she was right. like, what, the second woman nominated for an Oscar right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that year. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right.
0: Um, for Best Director to clarify. Yes. yes.
3: yes. Uh, to, and she won Best Screenplay yeah, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, the five nominees for Actor were Hanks, Daniel Day-Lewis for In the Name of the Father, wow. mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins for The Remains of the Day, mm-hmm. Lawrence Fishburne for What's Love Got to Do With It which is an incredible performance. Yeah. yeah. And Neeson for Schindler's List. Yeah, and all of those performances, save maybe Daniel Day Lewis, are performances that, removed of the other winners, would have won. You, you know, well, just you just sort of say like, well, then yeah, he was, Larry was nominated for what's got, Love got to do with it, and you'd be like, oh, how didn't he win? What, what, what right. the right. hell? Yeah. Like, and course. then you look oh, at who else is right. there. Right.
2: Yeah. Um, so anyway. those were
3: that's where they are in their careers. Yeah. I feel like they are both big stars. Yes,
2: but and they could both carry the weight of the responsibility of this movie. People trusted them. Yeah. They're smart actors. They're populist actors. So they kind of yeah. have all that going for them. If they had cast Day-Lewis or something, right. it probably would have been more alienating, you know? That's you have true. to cast Tom Hanks. It, it. It, you have helps, to
0: cast. it helps that these are two guys who were not doing films like this, that this felt like yeah. an unfamiliar, you know? For, yeah. To play, like, to a certain degree, there's a, a weird, like, slickness That is also kind of cheap to Denzel in this that is so different from what he had played up until this point. Sure. And Hanks is adding like a basement onto what people thought he could do, a basement Mm -hmm. and attic onto the structure that people believed he was capable of at this point in time. But talking about how risky it was for them to do, like not to overstate this, but Denzel goes on a radio show when he is filming Philadelphia or about to start filming to promote something else. And they ask him, what are you working on? He said, I'm about to make a a film, an AIDS drama. And they got, like— They get hostile. Phone calls for the next hour. How can he do that? That's disgusting. No, it's crazy. Why is he ruining his career? And Joanna was like, oh, that's not— Like, it is weird. Yes, it's crazy. To play the lawyer in a film about AIDS, people were like, this is despicable. I'll never go see one of his films again. I mean, it it helps that Denzel's character is the sort of— the kind of casual bigotry, I mean, this is where I want to open the book briefly, okay? Go on. I feel like very often films about prejudice and bigotry paint with such a broad brush where the the intolerant people are so cut and dry, fucking horrific and evil. Sure. That And this is the thing I want to talk about with Green Book. It lets people off the hook because yes. almost anyone can watch it and go, well, I'm not like that. Right. I just yeah, have yeah. my rational small phobias. Right. I'm not that awful. I wouldn't throw out the glass or whatever. And then they also come around to a greater sense of cleaner redemption where they are completely solved and absolved. Right. You know, and cry and say, I love you. I can't believe how wrong I was. Mm. Um, And this is a film in which the guy kind of takes the case for a very complex series of reasons. One is that his love of the law is such that he recognizes there is a pretty good case here. Right. Another is that even though he has discriminated against this guy, when he sees this guy being discriminated against from a slight remove, right, he as a black man, for the first time, he feels the anger watching it happen outside Such, of him.
3: It's uh, demi-magic. But when he also... watching just oh, him watch someone, right. watch him, and mm-hmm. I love
0: that. But he also then doesn't immediately go, I understand it, I love you. No, you I understand don't at that point me. that he realizes that he should do it even though he feels uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And the small victory of the film is, like, not to jump ahead, but just him just putting the mask on Tom Hanks. The yeah. mere fact that, like, at the end of the film he's touching him. I mean, right. it's another fucking incredible Demi scene. I guess we should sort of go through. Yeah, let's go through the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you open with The Streets of Philadelphia. Um, you know,
3: I forgot that you open with a good chunk on Hanks in the in yeah. the firm
2: without – where everyone loves him, he's like the golden
3: boy. Everyone likes yeah. him; he's doing well. Well, the immediate
0: and open, which is so great, is Denzel, Denzel and Hines him in arguing in, a, right. some sort of petty, yes. you right. know, street right. zoning, and case they're talking over each other. Right. Right. right?
2: Yeah, I read some criticism. Maybe it was a Larry Kramer piece or something else, where the people were like, why would he go to this ambulance chasing lawyer? He's like at a high powered firm; he would surely know someone. It's like, well, but I think that's why they have that opening scene. Is probably like we don't see what Denzel did exactly in court, but clearly he did something to impress. Yeah, Yeah, right. Hanks is sort of like,
3: oh, this guy's guy's going for it because Denzel gives this like pretty eloquent defense in what's clearly kind of like a, you know, cheap shit case. Yeah. And so I think Hanks is like, you know, like whatever clocks that. But then also it's clear that Hanks will – Hanks is suing a law firm. So white shoe law firms are not going to go with that. That would set a terrible precedent for them. Anyone within the
0: old boys club Uh is going to be off limits. There's going to be that weird
3: tribalism. And he says, I went to many lawyers. Like Mm -hmm. there's an obvious – and like that scene where he approaches Denzel – Denzel has just talked to the other guy who, like, is some moron who walked right. into an open manhole. Yes. You know? right. And is like, no, you the, got the a city case. owes me money. And yeah. Denzel's like, yep, you do. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. sue the city. Uh, it d- sa- take it up it with the lady. It's beautiful yeah.
0: writing where he's like, so you're saying that you chose, even though you had any number of trajectories <laughs> right. to walk through, to walk into that space without looking, even though it was clearly marked, and you fell down and you want to sue the city for injuries. He's like, yeah, do I have a case? He's like, oh, you definitely have a case. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: But it helps, like, right, that's such a, a, a an important distinction that it's not just, oh, he's the guy who Tom Hanks has seen on the ads on TV. Yeah. It's that he's also seen the guy in action firsthand. Mm-hmm. And you sense that he right. has a respect lawyer to lawyer of, like, I don't do it like this. I'm from a very sure. different world than him yeah, in really terms of the cases we're taking and the sides we're taking. But I can see that guy has the goods where if he's been rejected by nine guys and needs to start thinking off the beaten path, you would go, what about because Denzel? Because
3: there's that scene later when the fancy lawyers see Denzel and they're yeah. like, it's the TV guy. Like yeah. they also yeah. vaguely right. know him. They're like, right. oh, right. the TV guy. Well, oh, okay. But yes, we see Hanks at work. I just like that it is not linear. That It's not like the movie opens with like a doctor being like – and the thing that you have is yeah. called AIDS, and right. here's what the symptoms are, and here's what's going to happen to you. He basically has it right. the already. The movie sick, starts, yeah. and he's covering up it. He's, he's covering, covering going it to up. Routine, He's going to the doctor, yeah. and that could be the scene where the doctor is telling him everything, but no, it's just sort of like peppered in there, and then there's that incredible scene where he calls his mom, played by Joanne Woodward, yeah. and she's like, how are you? And he's like, my blood works fine. I'm doing fine. And she, you cut back to her, and she kind of just like cringes and almost cries She on starts the phone, like silently crying, and, and pulls then herself like, back pull, together. <sighs> Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's mm-hmm. the kind of shit. Yeah. That Jonathan Demme yeah. Is bringing to the table at Benny Okay? That's yes. him flipping, flipping the thing into it. <laughs> he's the making volcano. the onion volcano. Yeah. Tory spelling's falling into it. <laughs> yes. Like and I, there's a couple other things in this movie that I just noticed as I was watching it where I was like this is just not something they would automatically be in a movie like this, or it's something that a studio or whoever might just be like, "Oh, like we can lose
2: this." Well, also, like w- w- you know, they could have mined obvious, easy drama out of his family hates him, he's isolated, blah, blah blah blah. And instead, he's like, trips. "No, it's a loving family who's yes. supportive and maybe a little bit like square and conservative about like, yeah, but, like for the most part, but like they're decent people." And you know,
0: Nice Warner did this uh, really good uh, interview with BuzzFeed like a year ago. Uh, with Adam yeah yeah, I read that yeah, which is really good and he said in it like it was a thing we debated about for a long time and we decided we don't need to do every element of potential conflict yeah we want to streamline what this movie actually is and also we thought it was more interesting because you always saw that you always saw the family refusing to accept Mm -hmm. the anger the crying all of that that you could start a movie at a point by showing that the family is pretty square yeah And pretty, you know, seemingly kind of conservative in their temperament at the very least. With the assumption that that happened at some point in the past and this is years later and they've worked to a place of understanding. Yeah, And it is so much more sort of like fulfilling, you know, emotionally to watch the movie and to feel that sense of history of like it probably wasn't always this clean, you know. And the way the dad like in this very kind of like – clenched way sort of says, like, you have dealt with this entire situation with a level of grace that I cannot even comprehend, so I feel like I'm in no position to tell you what to do now. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, devastating yeah, because it's, like, a man trying really hard to show that even though he doesn't really understand his son, he loves him so deeply – and like yeah. has so much respect for him because he doesn't understand. That, that guy's guy really good. good face. Good. Yeah.
3: Just a good
0: yeah. good dad.
3: You know, like a <laughs> looks like a dad.
0: you know, it's the demi thing that would come up sometimes where it like comes up with Rachel getting married, whether like, who has a wedding like this? Mm-hmm. Who's like this accepting of other cultures and all this stuff? And it's this thing that I think uh, uh, it was Pauline Cale said in the Melvin Howard review, or maybe it was Janet Maslem. she said, uh It's an act of uh, sympathetic imagination, Mm -hmm. which I think is such a good term for him, where it's like, A, you can sell that. You can sell that the family accepts him. Yeah. And B, it is the more interesting thing to do for the sake of the movie to try to present a world in which there are a lot of hardships. This movie is about people overcoming great difficulty. But it's not about the most oppressed and
3: sick and no. desperate what person in the world. Why does everything have to be? And the most, right. you know, I mean, let's reopen the book. Okay, Tony Lipsaw, this movie, of course, he's a woke king. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, you know, where it's like Don Shirley is a fucking genius who's the greatest person who ever right. lived yeah. in his thing.
0: And every person yeah. he comes up against treats him like the biggest piece of shit in the world. You right, know? yeah. Um. I, yeah, I, I think all of that is so fucking smart. The stuff with the family is so good. And the fact, yeah, it, it, the time jumps in the movie are a thing I completely forgot. Mm-hmm. Because it keeps on taking these big jumps yeah. of like, you see Hanks being brought in with all the sort of old guys, including what, you, what a good use of Roger Corman as an actor. Like weird old square Roger Corman. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, 100%.
0: Um, but all these guys, them noticing the lesion. Yeah which I think is then the first time you go into the Demi sort of POV camera. So much good close-up
2: action
3: in this it's so
0: much. There's so much. It's fascinating. I mean, it's his yeah. guy. It I is, mean, it's his move. Sorry. It is you know, crazy he loves the
3: how but, yeah.
2: versatile that move is, though.
3: Especially while this is coming off of the sounds of the Lambs. Yeah. Which uses close-ups in a very involving and scary Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. tense way. But
0: in this one, he'll he'll oscillate where like you use it sometimes in the courtroom. So it feels like, you know, Denzel, when he makes his opening remarks to the jury and he's delivering it straight to you, you're feeling the intensity of what if you were the person who was eventually going to be tasked with coming up with the ruling on this case? And he's selling it to you. So you feel that kind of pressure. Sometimes it's used in intimidation. Sometimes it's used between Banderas and Hanks for intimacy. Mm -hmm. And it's all such subtle shifting of – where the camera is in relation to the guys, what kind of angle they're at, also which it, whether they're both looking directly in the lens, if one of the two characters in the conversation is looking slightly to the left. Very often Denzel is the person who is looking at the camera. Denzel and does. Hanks is a little off. Incredible face stuff. Yeah, it? I oh.
2: mean, and this movie is really. Part of its its meaning is just, like, these are people. These are people. Look at right, them. They right, are people. Right. And I think that's mirrored at the end where the closing shot is the video or the home f- film of, of him as a little kid. And right. I think it's reminding of, like, of a common humanity and everything like that. So, like, it's both interesting to look at the close-ups, but they also serve a sort of, like, thematic purpose. You really have to stare way.
0: these people in the eyes. Yeah. Like, it is yeah. hard to— demonize people if you really take the time to look in which the is, eyes and hear what they have to say which is what this movie is about. Which has been
3: the story I feel like of uh, so much of yeah. the advancement of gay
2: rights in this yeah. country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. sort
3: of like the more that people realize that these are not aliens that are being yeah. banished to dark right. corners yeah. of society.
2: I mean I was thinking about this watching the movie uh, that you know, obviously, with regard to like racial equality and all that, like we, Hollywood has been part of that narrative, but by no means the the, the driving factor of Rare, it. As well, uh, whereas it is, with with yeah. with Weird, LGBT thanks, stuff, if didn't see like <laughs> I, if only, uh, but with LGBT stuff, I really do feel like Hollywood. Was, culture, leading that, right. was leading yeah, that was leading that charge in like yeah. a huge way, and you watch a movie like Phil and yes, maybe there are problems with Philadelphia or whatever like and i, I don't I don't mean to dismiss um people's you know issues with the movie, but like it was fucking doing something and, and totally. in a time when very few people were and
0: also it is just one story yeah. like it, yeah. it had a very specific sort of cultural right. goal, which is to like make a movie that forces people to reckon with AIDS v- victims as human beings right but it is not trying to be a definitive text about the crisis just think, i just want to clarify for the audience none of what they're saying is true this is a film
3: about bruce springsteen's <laughs> visions right. of the streets <laughs> of, of course, philadelphia yes right. and right. these are all things that right. just he right. saw on the streets right. of philadelphia and it right. you know sort of forms a somewhat coherent narrative but i mean as you could tell every chance every shot in the film is told from his point of yeah, view of course, right. Right. from
2: right. a street yeah. of philadelphia yeah. you can yeah. tell
3: that it's very visually clear yeah
2: they were having a court trial. <laughs> Every on the courtroom, you yeah. See just, for yeah. Actually, if you, if you if it's, it's like little head little Easter up. egg, yeah, yeah, right, yeah.
0: But the so. jump of like him in the court, uh, not in the courtroom, in the sort of um, it, the back offices, smoking cigars, yes. being told that he's being made an associate right. or whatever. Well,
3: they, well, they, kind of give him the like the weird sort of like mind test where they're like. Right. So what do you prefer, the obvious answer or the answer, we don't like that one? He's right. like, I, I, I don't like it. And they're like, well done. <laughs> yes. <Right>. Brand him. <laughs> I and mean, as we said, there is
0: something unnatural that hangs from this moment. He's skinnier than you've ever seen him in a movie up yeah. until this point. He's caked in makeup in a way the other guys aren't. Even the way his hair is made up is kind of weird. And you realize, oh, it's because he's covering up. This right. is not and a movie the, that's going to have that
3: moment with the, a surprise
0: yeah. diagnosis 15 minutes in. Yeah, the moment which the first time you go to the demi POV, and then the movie like jumps to a week later, uh, if not more. It, it jump. It takes the jump to
3: him in the hospital, uh, getting his blood work right, and the, the, you know they're looking for the paper. Oh, you're right. The, I'm the sorry. Briefs. Yes, yes. And so yes. you have all that unfold,
0: yeah. and then you basically jump to him coming to Denzel's office. Right. There's there's a gap there, which is you see them Bradley Whitford starting to tear his hair out. You don't see him get fired, is the thing. No, huge. I mean, you see it
2: uh, after the fact in flash. Right, right. But like, right, right. he goes to Denzel's office. He's like, I've been like,
3: and he looks
0: suddenly like he's lost his hair. He looks very pale. You know, he
3: looks different.
0: Right, and Denzel says, "Man, what happened to your face?" And he says, "I have AIDS." And it's this incredible moment of they're shaking hands when he says it, and Denzel sort of like holds the hand for a second and goes like, "You know." Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. entire temperature Start of the scene changes. Denzel clearly is a man who prides himself on being a professional. Is not going to chase this guy out of his office. No, but is, he just becomes prickly. Is like, immediately yeah. terrified. Also, I mean, and he's like, Tom a- Hanks actually is asking at fear him for about his, his life.
3: daughter, and and Denzel is like kind of itchy about mm-hmm. that. And well, but then he picks up a cigar. That's
0: yeah. You move yeah. to like Denzel's POV, which is all sort of like shaky, wandering right. cam around the desk, looking at everything that, that Hanks is touched, touching yeah, or breathing. He's touching
2: Bruce Springsteen, right? was standing in the corner I uh, no, no,
0: no, no, no.
2: Um, What's going on in this <laughs>
0: office? Right, but it becomes this sort of pressure cooker. <laughs> a baby girl. <laughs> this pressure cooker scene of just like Denzel, wrongly, we know, immediately feels like he is at risk. Uh, yes. Like this might be the meeting that killed him. Sure. Just even by humoring this I mean, man he did for the 15 daughter minutes. Thing he's like he clearly Ryan, had like not right. seen God the Captain
2: Planet episode about AIDS, which, I know. you know, seared I mean, in my brain. He needs to be watching yeah. the planet. Even though yeah.
3: Bruce Springsteen has it on the TV that he's holding
2: under his arm. <laughs> playing on a constant. Loop. He went to Philadelphia to, to go to a screening of the show. Captain Planet
4: episode. <laughs>
0: then occasionally Earth. Neil Young will cross paths with Bruce singing <laughs> his own song. <laughs> but only occasionally. I also like Captain Planet. <laughs> my Neil Young's too much like my Willie Nelson. I got a different yeah, But no it. one sounds like Neil Young, though. You no. not I mean... that Willie
2: Nelson joke? Which one? Um, what's the worst thing that Willie Nelson can say to you during sex? <laughs> I'm not Willie Nelson. <laughs> A joke.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally lateral, but you know what's one of my favorite jokes of all time? I don't know. Uh, it, it, my dad told me this, but it's like the joke about like the shitty club promoter in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we got huge stars, huge stars in that incredible lineup. Sinatra's play. Sinatra's playing, and the guy goes Frank Sinatra. He goes, no, not Frank. Sinatra, Dan Sinatra, but it's, it's Sinatra playing. Of course, and Davis Junior. We got Davis Junior. And they go, San Junior. They go, no, it's it's Ted Davis Junior. But it's you know, and we got Goulet. Goulet's playing. They go, Robert Goulet, and he goes, yes. <laughs> Vero said that. I just uh, love that joke. That's, that's a good, good. joke. Yeah, yes. Yes. You know what's a crazy thing about uh, Captain Planet? Mm. Because it was, like, Ted Turner and so much money behind it, and it was such a, like, this is, like, a fucking cause. Like, season one, all the villains of the week are played by giant movie stars. Mm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then as the show continues, they all just are like, oh, I'm not going to do multiple like episodes. Like Ryan. Just, and Jeff
2: Goldblum. Yeah. It's
0: all, like, crazy big people.
2: I mean, Whoopi Goldberg stayed on as Gaia for the whole run, didn't she? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think she did, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Don't look at me. But but most of them like would establish a character. No, nope.
3: Whoopi Goldberg did Gaia for two years and then handed it off to Margot Kidder. Who I mean, Naturally. who is basically like the B list Whoopi Goldberg? Of course, yeah. yeah.
4: Yes.
0: Heart though, heart. It, well, yeah. Come on, that's the fifth element. No, it's not. It is. Oh well, I mean love, but Mila Jovovich, technically. Yeah. yeah, he was
2: coded as kind of gay too. That character Mati. Yeah. Mati, Mati. He's the same yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, My he heart the power belonged to Hart. Wheeler though.
3: Uh, Wheeler was fire, fire.
2: Yeah.
3: I believe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Denzel turns him down. Uh-huh. Goes to his doctor. His doctor's like a nice old guy who's like, "Are you obliquely asking me for a blood test? Like, is that what this but is?" There's like, also uh, so
0: much complication. Surely
3: you're not such a moron that you think you got AIDS from a handshake. So
0: do you have AIDS? Right. And this is your way of telling me, like, you're He's like worried? I don't
2: judge your like lifestyle.
3: Right. right. He's yeah. like,
0: I've known you since you were a child. Yeah. But also in that Hanks Denzel interview scene. You know, Denzel's trying to find an out. And Hanks is explaining because he knows right, his he, fucking law shit so well, how he knows it's a case, how here are the elements, here are the precedent, this and that. And Denzel's like, well, I wouldn't take it. And he's like, No, because you think I wouldn't win. And he's like, No, it's not that. And it it's like, it's because.
3: Right. It, Hanks he, just he straight like faces, I have a problem
0: with it. Yeah. Right. You, so do you have, have a problem. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. And but
3: good luck. And then he does that sort of half-hearted, like, hey man, I, I'm sorry. It's a tough break. Like he sort of yes. tries to
0: like Throw him some sympathy on the way out. Well, it's almost the fact that Hanks doesn't respond to him with anger makes him feel bad. Right. He is so right. confident in saying, I have a problem with the way you live your life until Hanks just sort of goes like, OK. And then it's like, fuck. Yeah. This right. guy's not an asshole. Yeah.
3: Um, and then I guess after it's the,
0: the library is pretty much the next big scene.
3: It's right. After Bob the, the Goon dark.
0: tries to tell mm-hmm. Hanks to use a private room. Right. And, and once again, all these amazing Demi close-ups of all the other people sitting in the library watching it kind of like,
2: And there's a – I mean I'm, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But there's a skinny young guy sitting right nearby who kind of gets up because he's disgusted or whatever. Like, right. yeah. But he kind of reads a little
0: gay too. Yes. So yes. It's,
2: I think it's a little bit about like internal – like yeah, self. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I
3: don't want to yeah. be too close to this right well, now going to – Well, it's also it's gonna, this right.
0: thing of like AIDS is fucking scary. Yeah. Like when you watch AIDS documentaries, it really is just terrifying how much it ravished the body. So, aside from but obviously, also just
3: like that, its rep was like, we have no way of treating it. Right, we have experimental drugs that are just sort of beginning to maybe mitigate it, yeah. but like they do horrible
0: damage. Yeah, to yeah those early cocktails like, yeah, were really. It's, it's rough. basically yeah. going to just be like a miserable life. But also yeah. removed from the the sort of homophobia of of the the sort of fear mm-hmm. of AIDS it also just was a terrifying disease that turned people into zombies. Right, right. Like it is upsetting to look at when you watch like AIDS quilt documentaries and stuff. Yeah. People who are at the last moments of their life. Mm -hmm. They really look ghoulish, you know? And so it's such a visual disease on top of everything else. And the earmarks of it were so clear and so specific to it that you understand that sense of just like it it, in the same way that it's unnerving to visit a hospital, Mm -hmm. you know, and to see people who are that close to death there's that element, too, which also then just like – right. There's the internalized like fear of it even within the gay community. But then also for people who are prejudiced, it just gives them ammunition. Right. To be like, well, look at how – what am I yeah. supposed to hang out with this guy?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, the magic – sh- I should note the Magic Johnson thing it happened two years earlier. And that that is also a sort of crazy landmark moment for yeah. the whole thing yeah. where it's like – a straight guy has AIDS and he's an athlete Mm -hmm. and he's coming out and he's saying like, I want to be clear that like I got through this through having way too much heterosexual sex, like that it is not just some gay plague. Like I basically slept with any woman that was near me because I was the most famous basketball player. You know, like that, Mm -hmm. that was, that had also been a weird sort of shockwavy moment in, in recent history. Yeah. That that was that early. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean the magic Johnson thing, to this day is completely crazy. Yeah. Like just to think about it to this day. Like that that happened yeah. uh so early in right in the sort of life cycle of of AIDS in American kind consciousness and that uh, he's still with us and that that, his like, health never visibly diminished? Not really yeah. and and like that he returned to basketball which no one remembers. Right. And that, you know, players were too prejudiced to basically play with him. Mm-hmm. Like right. in 94 when People he went back People didn't want to, to share like, a locker room You know, with all that. I mean, and right, they, they were afraid, like, what if he bleeds right. and he, like, gets yeah. on? You know, there was
0: all that sort of, like, um, just crazy. So so Denzel makes the move, you know? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I also love it's such a nice little touch. But he sees him sitting there and coughing. You immediately see him kind of recoil, like, disgusting. How dare he does this? And then when Bob the Goon walks over... Denzel shifts over his stack of books so that he can keep watching out of morbid curiosity without being noticed. Well, right, even
4: before that, there's a white guy staring at him. Yes. Right. Yes. The the skinny guy. And I feel like that's like really important visual. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the guy. Oh, you mean the guy?
0: Yeah. The guy who walks by and just looking at him and then walks past. Demi was just so fucking good at conveying complex interpersonal dynamics in looks, in moments, in nonverbal physical language. Now, Denzel works with Demi again, just to point that out, right? Like he works with him him in Manchurian Canada. Did Hanks never
3: work with him again?
0: No, but then Gary Goetzman, who mm. was one of Demi's guys, who was in all of his movies and was right. a producer, uh, Hanks plucks him after Hans this and, his and becomes his playton partner. Play right. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: 100%. 100%. Anyway, just
0: interesting. Yeah.
3: Um, but, um, okay, so then, then we kind of get into the latter half of the film, which is, like, more just, like, courtroom drama. It's
0: another beautiful shift, which is yeah. just Denzel comes over and goes, like, no, he's with me. Yeah. And then they're just on the case. You don't right, have yeah. all the shoe leather of them preparing – For the case, you don't have too much ramp up to the courtroom. You have him going to his family and telling them like, you know, I'm going to do this and it's going to be tough. Right.
3: um, and you have Banderas being introduced, sort of, as this like loving partner, yeah, um, and one to, of the sexiest,
0: I, just the most human man beings. Who ever
2: lived. It's funny in the Larry Kramer thing. He's like, and this actor, I don't know, with dark hair. Like he did like, and it's just like because well, no one knew who Antonio Banderas was, then. right? But how, I how, think how he barely have, spoke English with us. He at this barely point. spoke yeah. English at the time. Although yeah. he
3: had done, I believe, one America. He'd done um, what's it called, uh, Mambo Kings, right? Which right. he said was an entirely phonetic performance. Yeah. He yeah. did not speak English at all at this point. I think he's just beginning to learn English. But I mean, like. Larry Kramer, fucking watch your all movies. Go to the art house, buddy. Right. Yeah. Go see. A this law guy of was in Desire, yeah. and
0: Time Me Up, Time Down, and shit. Like you know, come on, right?
3: He's in Women on a Verge of an Earth Breakdown.
0: He's, and, and he's also Hollywood is priming him to be a guy. Like he like does like is. three or four movies right like in quick succession. Yes. Well, it, in '94 you have Interview the Vampire, which right. is another
3: supporting role, and then in '95 is when it's he's everywhere. That's yeah. That's Desperado, right. Miami Rhapsody, Assassins,
2: right. too much. Like where it's just suddenly like. Assassins was that same year. Yep. That's, that's crazy. crazy.
3: And that's the one that is the gif. The
2: <sighs> Yes, the internet.
3: But femme fatale also has a gif of him looking at a laptop and going, ah. <sighs> it's crazy. his move. It's and his, his signature. They did it twice.
0: Yeah. It's his John Hancock.
2: But By the time this episode drops, he could be an Oscar nominee. I really hope to God he is. Yeah. Uh, and I worry it won't be because it's a really stacked
0: it year and it's a very quiet performance. how tough yeah. Best Actor is this year because but, um, it's been
3: such a bleak category in recent he's memory. He's my winner and I think it's just like an astonishing performance. Yeah. Even by his. I was trying like, to figure Sanders. out
0: who I'm going to vote for for New York
2: Film Critics Circle.
3: Uh, this guy. I know. Antonio yeah. Bender. But I just
2: feel like there's no way we're walking out of that room in it without Adam Driver having won it. But, but we don't know. Yeah, who knows? We'll, we'll know point, when this is. Yep.
3: We will. That's true. That's, That's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah, no, Adam Driver does seem like. Yeah. I mean, Sandler, I guess, also will. He, I could vote for him.
2: <sighs> I haven't seen that yet. <sighs> He's yeah.
3: also incredible. I feel like I
2: need to take his Anaxe before it or something. Like, just It sounds mm-hmm. stressful. It,
0: it's undeniably stressful. Do, I can't really. Do you want to hear the least surprising thing in the world? Mm-hmm. My father is so fucking amped <laughs> for unconscious. <laughs> I think your father's in unconscious. I think my father <laughs> It's about him. <laughs> yes. It was it was pulled from his brain inception style. <laughs> Just for kicks, because we're recording this so far in advance and all the stuff will be settled by the time it comes out. Do either of you have like big things you want to push uphill that you're already thinking at this point, like this is the one I really want to champion? I want to make Taylor happen.
3: Rooms? JLO is the one that I think we can make happen. Yeah. And we'll see. Yeah. Uh, my actress this year is Jessie Buckley, who won't, I can't. Oh, that's interesting. Happen, but he is a great performance. But is a great performance. But that's more of one of those things where I'm like, I know that will not right. Like, be a winner right. at a Critics Award. Like, it's not a widely enough seen film. Or Do you know whatever.
0: who my best supporting actress winner is as of mm-hmm. this moment? Sophia Canelo. Okay.
2: Oh, in, in
3: Wild
0: in, Rose. In Wild Rose. Oh, interesting. Good. Yeah, I think she's, she's insanely good. In I think it's a logo. great movie.
2: Yeah, I that, love movie that movie rules. She's yeah.
0: good. Yeah, I think she's crazy good.
2: I watched that on a plane, and then I immediately watched yesterday right after, and I was like, "Well, that was the wrong order." Because like, it really, yeah. was the wrong order. <laughs>
0: oh boy, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, uh, and the other, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire is my other like Ugh. you know yeah. movie yeah. to champion this year that I also think will end up being. I, I mean, my my look on the record. I think Parasite will. Be the dominating force at our Critics Awards
0: and at the mm-hmm. Most Critic Awards, and I think that's fine. Yeah. I love that movie. But yes, you go to the courtroom almost immediately. I like that this film is so interested in the courtroom, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sort of the theater of the courtroom. Mm-hmm. I, I think this film gets that really well. It is not a Just Mercy that is about, like, honesty and truth winning. Right. That's so much of Denzel's value in this movie is that he's such a good manipulator. Yeah of language and perception. Right. And the fact that you're watching him do that, even when you know that he doesn't necessarily agree with everything he's saying, mm-hmm. that part of it is just the rush of being that fucking good as a lawyer. Right. I love the
4: device of uh, explaining it to me like I'm a six year old. Yes. And he keeps yeah. hitting that. And it's totally. just so effective yeah. that even they call it back they, in the courtroom. But yeah. at the
0: same time, it's clearly like it sticks in your head. Yeah. And right? his yeah. other incredible boss move is just the, well, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah, You right, know, right, like, the sort sort of of like, like the sort of like, what's the subtext here? Let's expose here. the nerve. Right right, 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 right. That there are multiple times where he asks someone on the stand if they're gay. Right. You know, I mean, brings in their personal life in that kind of way. Robards is good in this movie, by the way. We haven't <laughs> yeah, brought okay. him up yet. Yeah.
2: I mean, he rules. He's like, the way that he keeps laughing... Sort of de- not. It's not exactly derisively, but they're in the trial, like you know. And there's a, there's kind of this weird, like sometimes he laughs at some, something that Denzel said, or yeah. like like it's. It, it, everyone's just treating it kind of like, well, whatever, you know. We're here, like, and I think that helps. I don't know. Weirdly, drive home the intensity of what Tom Hanks is experiencing because everyone around him is just sort of taking it as like a sort of. You know, it's like an interesting case, like you know, right? And there's know.
0: this arrogance of like come on, everyone's going to agree with us. Right. Like, who wouldn't fire a guy with AIDS? Right, exactly. Like, they are yeah. so confident in their position yeah. where they're like, even if he has some legal basis for what he's talking about, no one is going to instinctually think right. we were wrong. Right. And so he just sits back with that sort of air and laughing at the theater of all of it mm-hmm. and, like, let's get it over with. That scene we forgot to mention where Denzel serves them with the court papers were that's there and this are like, oh, it's the TV guy. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and he, yeah, it's and it's
2: Dr. he gives Darjee's card. Yeah.
3: But yeah. also,
0: when he goes to the hospital, when his wife's in labor and and a guy in the hallway says, you're the TV guy, he takes out his pen and gives it to him. Yeah. <laughs> like, that he loves the sort of like celebrity of the type of well, lawyer. Well, also, he is. I, think,
3: I think to Denzel's character, to uh, what's his name? Um, Joe Miller. He's like, yeah. You saw the ad, like, right. you know, yeah, it there is yeah. a little bit of that where he's like, yeah. That's right on the TV, guy. Fucking yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, and then in the courtroom, <laughs> scene, like having Mary Steenburgen, who who I mean, is a, a demi, like she, she's yes. Yeah, um, it reminded me of I forget her name, uh, the woman that they had do the Kavanaugh, um. Questioning Christine where and all you just saw like the old white men sitting behind her, kind of yeah. being like, "Well, we're buffer you zone," this. you know, yeah. that yeah, feels yeah, very yeah. much like the steam. Right? Well, because yeah.
3: like, there's that just again a, a, another great moment that movies often wouldn't include—the thing yeah. where she just sits down after the worst thing, the mirror right. trick. I hate this case where she's right. I hate this. Like, and I yeah. read like, and in, not in a way where you're like, "Oh, how sympathetic," but you're just—you can just like, this is not what.
0: That's she wants. the thing. And a lot of the negative reviews from the gay community in the '90s said that they felt like that moment wasn't easy out to show oh look she's not a bad person. I think that's not what he's doing at all. Opposite. I It'd think he's showing the hypocrisy. It would be of, a
3: way easier out if she was just a prejudiced bigot. And it is more right. cuz then you're like great right, she's a villain I got. It. Yeah, bad person. Right, it is, right. is right. more
0: villainous that she is willing to sell her integrity. It's one of the interesting dynamics of this film is that Denzel is fighting on the right side of history that he doesn't really believe like in. But he is a bigot and right. he's cruel at times he says awful
3: shit to his wife about it right you know, and to private. the guy in the store and right. to the guy. And there's the scene with the guy that in the store is so
0: good too that's very charged and mm-hmm. is yeah.
3: dealing with you know that the perception of this in the black community that was very different from and when he's at the bar him, like, and they do oh, the yeah. news
0: coverage and yeah. they go like so like, like, what right, are you getting sure. a little light in your loafers all that yeah. stuff, right and he transitions yeah. from like you think the movie is taking an easy out of Oh, he has already been transformed by Tom Hanks because he starts going like, yeah, I'm a homosexual. I go to the clubs. Like he's like yeah. doing the joke right. and going like, and in fact, you're my type of guy. Right. And you're like, that's the bit he's going to do. He's going to turn the prejudice on them. And then he stops doing the bit and goes like, I hate them. I find them disgusting. Right. It's my job. Yeah and it doesn't feel like he's saying that to try to get them off of his back it's truly like he feels the weight of like i kind of hate that i'm being associated with this case
4: and, and
2: people criticize that vacillation they're like well he's one it's almost like they shot two different movies sure. because he's like supporting this cause in 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 the courtroom and then you know outside he's like assaulting basically a man who hits on him at a drugstore and you're like but right because those two things can occupy the same head people like people don't it, change and I, that
0: quickly yeah. people are weird and nuanced and fucked up and contradictory yeah. and also mary steenburgen is the shadow of him i mean there's something to the fact that denzel is so powerful right but is also in this performance very slick and kind of prickly you know yeah that that he is sort of aggressive in the way and mocking in the way that he questions people in the courtroom, you right, know? Sure. Or does this sort of like treat me like I'm a six-year-old right. thing? And Mary Steenburgen is the exact opposite where it feels like there's no theatrics. She is so folksy. As an actress, she is so genuine. Fact. And she yeah. is <laughs> very yeah. earnestly and very sort of quietly saying all this really gross prejudice stuff. Yeah. But making it sound like it's just a natural, obvious thing. Mm-hmm. And that one moment of her saying I hate this case is going like – they're both mostly praying to the altar of their job and the salary. Right. You know, the, the, the ego of being a good lawyer and who you work for and how much you can get in the settlement, all of that, is in both cases overriding their actual moral compass.
2: Yeah and 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 Denzel Washington is a black lawyer who has to ambulance chase to make a living right. in a very very uh segregated and racially charged city yes. going up against this incredibly powerful rich white law firm and right. like and like I I can buy that as his motivation just more than I can, you know, like sort a sudden sort of epiphany about, about like gay rights or whatever. I like, think
0: he feels more pity for him and does not yes. feel any empathy for him until the opera scene. I mean right. that's the big thing. It's not like he immediately starts liking Andrew. I think he just goes like, fuck, I've been prejudiced against as well. Let's get to that damn opera scene. Because I just want to
3: talk about how that is the Oscar clip. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was his Oscar clip. Yeah. As a part of the scene, obviously. And it's so funny to think of it as an Oscar. It is clip, so bizarre. Because it is such a daring and interesting. It looks and like Susperia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean he goes into and theatrical
0: like, lighting for the first time, that we were suddenly yeah. Tom Hanks is in a spotlight. Right. Exactly. We're at these crazy the overhead angles. Right. angles. Yeah. yeah. I mean the way he uses angles in this movie The angle is, great. is
2: like over the forehead. It's like yeah. such a yes. secure i don't, I don't know that I've ever seen. An, a sustained shot like that, you know, in something, right. it was it was
0: enough to stop nineteen-year-old Griffin Newman flipping through the sure. channels in a common room and go, "What is this filmmaking?" Right, like it was so visually arresting that I was like, "What the fuck is this movie?" And why didn't anyone tell me that Philadelphia is this? And at that point, had we ever seen Tom Hanks in
2: such an artful kind of shot? No, you know? absolutely, not. like that was brand new. Probably. Absolutely not. Yeah, uh, Turner and Hooch has a couple really nice angles,
0: right? Yes, well, uh, well yes. Hooch mean. was the cinematographer. Well, it's all, <laughs> it's, all, all one, dude, it's, it's all It one was take. shot all from his collar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's, and it's Bruce Springsteen's dog. Yeah, yeah.
0: Of course. Yeah. It's weird you that Russian art gets Hooch. all that credit for what Turner and Hooch actually pioneered. Right.
2: Who's the lady
0: in Turner and Hooch?
2: <sighs>
3: uh, I just was gonna say Hooch, but I decided I've done that joke too many. <laughs> like like
0: Mary Stuart Masterson, or like Mary Kay Place, yeah, or Live someone Old like ben or that. It's. Jessica Sande. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Cheryl. Yeah. Uh
3: let's see. It's uh Mayor Winningham. Oh, I oh. knew it was an M. Uh, who is what did I just see Mayor Winningham in? Uh just, Theater. just, just huh?
2: Did you see her in a play?
3: No, I saw her in a movie. Oh, Dark Waters. Oh. Which you uh, saw that. the Todd Haynes film, which again, this is January. I fucking loved. I Everyone to... who had seen it was like, yeah, it's okay. It's like
0: a legal drama, and I'm like, Legal drama. (laughs) Have you wait? Has someone done wrong? But that—that is a much more straightforward sort of legal movie, right? Yes, it is.
3: But uh, I think fucking rules, and I can yell about it later. He's a good filmmaker. Yes. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. Just Bill Pullman has like three scenes as a showboating West Virginia oh lawyer. God. That I was just literally David. hooting and hollering and firing <laughs> my
0: six shooters in the air. I don't know how to describe David, it. David, you can't say that <laughs> series of words that quickly without preparing it. Bill Pullman has three scenes.
3: Like, ah, well, he has the thing go, and you're just, I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh my god, this thing's
0: dealing for the bottom of the deck. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> full body chills. <laughs> That pizza just folded me. (laughs) Whoa, (laughs) Nellie! What if I started using that as a term like, you know, she really folded my pizza. Oh, boy. Anyway, Anyway, the opera scene.
3: It's just funny because, like, now we think of the Oscar scene as this, like – the moment that you deride, it's kind of like in Green Book when Mahershala gives that speech. That, I mean, Mahershala does a good job,
0: yeah. But where you're like, oh,
3: here we. This is the Oscar but scene. Th- they are know?
0: so often the scene where the actor has free reign to sort of like almost step out of the film, right. Circle everything the film is saying, underline it, place it in italics, and then scream it with as much emotion as possible.
3: Right. And this is the opposite. This of is a And this is the, the the power of this scene is like finally, like Denzel sees this man as a person. Yeah. Right. And sees him as, like, a person with feelings mm-hmm. and opinions and thoughts yeah. and, like, feeling and passion and all that, right? And, obviously, Hanks does crush it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. those shots of, of Denzel. Denzel's face. Oh, my lord. First, and, he, and first it's very dark and then there's that sort of red light coming yeah. up on him. Uh Really blow my mind. And then you You're go, actually
0: watching someone's heart change. You go from, right.
3: Yeah. You go from that to this scene where Denzel just needs to go home and hold his child. Yeah. Like, right. And. Joanna was watching with me and she was like, Oh, don't pick up the baby. You're going to wake up the baby. And I'm like, Joanna, he needs to hold his baby. And then he, like, like gets right
0: now into mm-hmm. bed with his wife. And, and looks like her. he just came back from war. Like, and, he's like staring off in the middle distance with his eyes full of tears. And this is where I'm,
3: again, I'm like, a studio might just, or a director might be like, Well, we have to cut this. This is just like, you know, but this is, too soggy. This is the exact film Demi wants Demi. to make. This, this is, is the, the most magic. important
0: thing. As you said, the entire goal of this film is to make people realize that. People with AIDS are human beings. Yeah. And yeah. that is where this film succeeds so wildly. Yeah. And I read arguments as well that they're like I, – I went down reading too many 90s reviews of this sure. film. Sure. But – um Uh, Only 90s reviewers understand. (laughs) And not just people in the gay community, but I feel like a lot of uh, critics who felt like, oh, this is the the prism I have to view this movie through. I'm going to assume what other people would find offensive about it. And they said like when he has this opera speech, it comes out of nowhere because you know so little about what he – who he is, his personal life, his interests up until that point in time. And I'm like, first of all, it's not like this is really that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. It's not like this film has a bunch of scenes where like Denzel talks about how much he loves watching hockey, you know, or gardening or anything. It's not a movie about people's like hobbies. It is so sort of propulsive. It jumps over such periods of time. Right. But you also need to sort of withhold that information from the audience. You cannot have Tom Hanks talk about anything outside of business, his health, his immediate life to Denzel until right. this moment yeah. because it also needs to come after the Halloween scene where for the first time he's socializing with him. And yeah. he sees him, you know, and, you know, look. A cover of heaven from The Talking hands. Absolutely. And Tom is at his
3: straightest yes. dressed uh, in navy whites with right. Antonio. Yes. I love
0: that Denzel has <laughs> yeah. such really a fucking toning it down, right? corny dad joke costume
3: <laughs> yes. that he's a lawsuit. He's
0: a lawsuit. Right. Yeah. Funny. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and he orders wine, which I think is interesting. Um, I also love the-
3: hey, I just want to say, sorry, the movie is about someone's hobby. Bruce Springsteen. His hobby right, sorry, walking yeah, the streets Of
0: showing people VCR <laughs> recordings of Captain Clay. Um, I love that
2: he stays after the party to talk about the case or whatever. And yeah. it just made me think about, this is kind of a weird connection, but like um, the scene in Seven- where they go – where Morgan Freeman goes to dinner and they have the, the dinner and they laugh about the train yeah. rumbling the house. Mm-hmm. And then it later they're like – like Gwyneth the asleep or whatever and they're like in the living room like working on the case. Yes. I like that sort of like, OK, like social time done. Let's get back to work. There's something kind of cozy about it. I love that I yes. guess. And then to oh, yeah. have this, this scene in this movie. When I, th- when I think of Seven, yeah. I think cozy.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah.
2: fully. Yeah, just a cheery a little. a warm blanket. Yeah. And yeah. no one in it is problematic, which is great. Oh, no,
0: perfect. No. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, a full of a bunch of woke kings.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my new thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, but yes, I do love that kind of energy in scenes. I also just think it's a thing I love about Demi um, where, and I, we talked about this a lot. It certainly happens a lot in Melvin and Howard where, like, what he chooses to cut over mm. and what moments he chooses to spotlight instead It is so great that there is no scene where, and I feel like most movies would didactically have the scene where Andrew invites him to the Halloween party, where he's like, "Oh, maybe I'll come." Right? Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He goes home to his wife. Can you believe it? She gives him a hard time. She's the heart of Green Book. To go. She is the heart of Green
3: Book. Right. She explains to
0: him right that he has to go. Then you see there. It's so much more powerful to be like, you don't know what changed in him. But something broke him down just enough to go to this Halloween party and feel really uncomfortable. Like he showed up and he's so uptight being there. And that's all you need to know that he made that much progress that he was willing to show up maybe just because he knew that was the thing he had to do before he could then after the party sit down and talk about the work. When is the scene when he sort of slightly – when they're talking
3: the case when he sort of bluntly says to Hanks like I still don't – I'm not into it. Right. He And Hanks is like, well, thanks for sharing that with me. They I feel like that it's weird, in like, the courtroom. Exchange.
0: Right. It's like at the desk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: And that's pretty late in the movie. Yeah. Too. It's just they never quite like let it go. No. You know? Yeah. I like that they don't become like best friends. Right. Uh, they don't have him come over to his house for dinner at Christmas and meet the whole family and all the Italian guys are like, "Hey, yo,
0: Don Shirley, right? right? Hey, you're a yeah, cool guy, <laughs> right?" That like fucking virtuoso thing in Green Book, where somehow him becoming less racist immediately cures all of his <laughs> friends of racism <laughs> by proximity. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know. I yeah.
2: To think. fold your pizza is to fold the world. <laughs> is really true. The, the message. Uh, were you going
0: to say something else about the? Um, um, no. I don't think
2: so. I I think it's just – I think it's lovely and unexpected and weird at the same time. I kind of was left feeling like how much of this is actually happening? Um, But yeah, it's just like – again, I can't imagine that being in this kind of movie now.
0: No, people would say you can't can't do that in this type of film. That's too big of a swing. It's too weird. It's too big of a tonal shift, a stylistic shift. I mean all of that. But then um, enough
2: people in went to go see that in theater in 1993 that it made 200 million dollars worldwide is like crazy.
3: It's insane. It is crazy. Yeah. Um. I also like that the film does not have the legal drama part of it. Yeah. Does not have some scene where suddenly someone just gets on the stand and is like, "Yeah, we actually did fire him because right. he was gay." Right. That's that. Like, you know, right. You have the scene with the lesions. Yeah. But yeah. that's sort of an interesting legal scene where Mary Steenburgen has made this fatal error of bringing the mirror in right? yeah. to do her trick, and it's like, once you bring that mirror in, then Denzel's gonna get to use the mirror, too. Yeah. Right.
0: And, like... Oh, that shot is so beautiful, too, right. where it goes to, like, Hanks' perspective. Well, that's the thing where,
3: Tank, where, like, the angle just feels like it's tilting more and more. No, no, where the he tilts scene, the mirror yeah. to yeah, yeah.
0: get him in the frame. Yeah. But, yes, yes, him on the stand when he finally starts making a stand, and, right. and Demi like just ratchets up the strength. sort of... Right, yes. yeah.
3: right. Um, so I like that that's kind of oh, – Charles Napier is the judge. Forgot I was going to gonna say, okay, because oh, that's so also Love a
0: really it. fascinating performance. And it's that, just fun to watch – to do this in blank check, to watch these
3: movies basically in order and I just know. see all Demi's guys, like and you're every like, movie. The guy with the lazy eye is the
0: doctor, right. the slightly prejudiced doctor. And you're like two movies ago, Napier was Michelle Pfeiffer's gay hairdresser. Right, in And now he's right. like the bigoted sort of like judge. He's not bigoted. Well, he's kind of like – he's sort of playing it down the middle but, you know,
3: kind of letting him do their antics.
0: But that's yeah. what I like is I feel like he is leaning on the side of prejudice well, but telling right. himself that he is completely right, right, open-minded right. and even-handed. And there's that series the end, of he's moments. just like
3: this case is concluded. Like he doesn't. Daniel know,
0: Von Bargen who yeah. plays Lee the the Drawer, Right. right. Uh, and doesn't speak until he gets into uh, you know closed quarters. Yeah. Um, there's the series of uh, shots where they're exchanging looks with each other. Where Napier will say something kind of like snarky as a judge and then he'll look over to Daniel Von Bargen. Daniel Von Bargen will smile at him being like, yeah, this is like fucking crazy, right? Like they're both not really taking this guy's plight seriously because Napier will say the like, look, this courtroom is free of any prejudice, any judgment. We don't see race. We don't see orientation. But he says that right after he said, I don't understand why you want to talk about this person's personal life. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, you know, when Denzel asks someone else if they are gay, Napier immediately goes, well, that's not something we bring into it. But of course they would never – Question someone's heterosexuality in that way. No. If someone's wife was invoked on the right. stand, he wouldn't go. Please, this yeah, courtroom this is, is good yeah, like yeah.
3: when they say you're an active homosexual. Like the yeah. joint, who's like, imagine saying someone's an
0: active. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, it's a kind
3: of thing where like I'm active, right? But I'm that's a, that's
0: there. the thing. Like Napier keeps on doing shit like that, yeah, and yeah, then he'll yeah. kind of make a little joke out of it. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like he's going like, man, gay people are gross. It's more him going like, man, this fucking world. Yeah, I'll tell you, he's right. an right. but active. But that he has a guy in Bruce the Springsteen walking those streets. Okay. <laughs> David's whipping a fucking a fastball against the wall. of the I'm like knocking so over a coconut know you doing, know, Yeah, know carnival like, throwing
3: batteries yeah throwing a bad well <laughs> weird that Ben leapt to that whipping batteries putting a little
2: extra fold on that pizza yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy I just think that yeah the film is so good in presenting all the different sort of levels of prejudice against well, him well right I
2: mean the thing about it is that like
0: When I
2: didn't – a friend said this to me a couple years ago after I had a a particularly odd – not bad exactly, but odd experience with some family members over Thanksgiving uh, where he was like, well, yeah, when you're gay, like everything is R-rated automatically. Like like, you can't talk about anything. Like I was talking basically to my cousin's kid who's like a teenager who I – but um uh and 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 then uh, just the mom just sort of like froze up and got yeah. weird and I was like what is going because I said oh yeah I used to like doing that when I was your age or whatever and then I was like thinking about it more it's like oh it's because like you know there's all that attendant stuff and I think that like yeah. that, that that thing in the courtroom like really well illustrates it these aren't like actively bigoted people it's just like it's it's, it's an extra layer like, of two right. personal oh, and that thing that keeps that
0: on right, getting maybe. brought up of like well so like. You, you got AIDS by accident. There are the AIDS victims who are sort of like innocent. What a horrible tragedy right. that they caught this disease mm-hmm. that whether they They're or collateral not, damage. I'm a religious yeah. fundamentalist. Everyone's sort of buying into this idea that it's like a gay curse. Right. You know, and what are the odds of someone outside of the community getting that you know, right. unwillingly. They didn't do anything to right. ask I mean, this. And
3: one of the big things Burton them tries to
0: tag Hanks
3: with was like, have you been to like a gay porn right. theater? Have you right. had sex right. with, you know, have you right. picked up guys yeah. on the street like trying to be basically like, well, your lifestyle, I and mean. And she does you know. that super
0: shitty thing where she tries to frame it as like because of course the course keeps the case keeps on coming back to this idea that he was uh, you know, insufficient. As a lawyer, yes, that right. that was the firing grounds, right? He was incompetent. Counts, right, right. That, he was incompetent uh, that she brings up all of that as, uh, well. Do you consider yourself to have good judgment, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, right. and and would you say potentially infecting your partner is good judgment? So she's like trying to hide behind the guise of like I'm not shaming you for being part of the gay lifestyle. I'm saying you made a really big risk in your life, which shows that that was the kind of judgment or lack thereof that could be applied to your dealings as a lawyer. That scene also where – I forget who it is, but the um, the, – is this the Roger Corman thing? Now I'm trying to remember. The caviar scene.
3: Caviar scene.
0: Remind me where where it was a client who Hanks had previously represented and won the case, and they bring him to trial to speak to Hanks being incompetent as a lawyer. Right. Oh yeah, and the guy is like, uh, he is competent, right? right? You know, he he's changed his right. wording from
3: like. I and he's like, if I got a bologna
0: the- sandwich, you would call that competent, right, right, right. But right. if you had caviar for lunch, you would not call that competent because right. six months ago you, you said that Andrew right, was the right. caviar was a of lawyers, sandwich, right? right. Um, all that stuff is just like such good fucking lawyer speak shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, the, the woman, uh, of, of course, who got, uh, AIDS through the blood transfusion yeah, and when they're trying to railroad her and back her in the corner and make her passively say things that kind of condemn Hanks more. And there's that moment where the two of them look at each other and you're like, fuck, this is like the brutality of the legal system. People manipulating it. She's now said something that's going to hurt Hanks, even though you can tell that isn't her intention. And then she just speaks up. Mm -hmm. In that moment of sympathetic imagination where she's like, I want to just say one final thing. There is no difference between me and anyone else who has AIDS. Um, That's – I mean that's – once again, it's like that's the shit that Demi wants to say. Like Mm -hmm. he wants to grab the American public by the shoulders. And and, all, and but, go like and, I understand you don't all live in the East Village. You're yeah. not losing friends on a regular basis, right. right? But but he and he but he
2: smuggles it in in entertaining court drama, yeah. in artful filmmaking, in mm-hmm. big, you know, like it's just such a clever delivery system for something that people needed to hear, yeah, you know, right? Because so it doesn't feel like vegetables the way that Just Mercy kind of feels like, okay, Like just Mercy you know, you is know. very
3: vegetable,
0: yeah, it's true, yeah. 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 And and even like all good. the other sort of great. like AIDS crisis movies of the Rob time Morgan, are not Morgan. things that people revisit because even if they felt kind of pivotal in terms of what they were saying, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone is like, man, I, 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 the craft in Longtime Companion is so strong. I'm right. so engaged in those narratives. It's also telling that Longtime Companion, the performance that gets an Oscar nomination is the grieving, unafflicted partner. Correct? Right. Right. right, it's right. like that's the tragedy is the person who has to watch someone die.
3: I've never seen that film. Um, I know it. That's a very early, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hollywood that effort. was like the first one, yeah. Um, and that's not even It's like Samuel Goldwyn Company. where it's right. like you know, indie. Um, anyway, the jury basically sits down, and we're. It's pretty obvious that their whole thing is like, look, you can't convince me the guy was incompetent. You'd put him on the. Fucking I love couple weeks I ago. just
0: love that it comes like, down to, like, it. they put him on his best case. Why Can, Why would you do this?
2: Right. Can I ask a question, though, about that? Wouldn't it be a mistrial to have Bruce Springsteen, like, swaying the jury in the jury room?
3: I don't know. I mean, the the, rule, the laws of Philadelphia are very complex. That's true. And he was taking advantage. They're, they're just written, they're written yeah. on a hoagie. Because in the other right, – well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, in his other hand is the Constitution of Philadelphia, which, of right. course, is a hokey. It is, as we all know. <laughs>
2: They keep it under the Liberty Bell.
3: God. The emotional final scenes of the film are Hank's collapsing in court, mm-hmm. yeah. Hank's in hospital, and the scene we talked about where Denzel is sort of whatever, you know, changed enough to reach over and adjust his mask and Which, not be afraid of touching right. him. Right, and, and you, know, you have his
0: entire family come and ostensibly say their goodbyes. It's that weird thing when you have someone who is on death's door where you know that anytime you leave the room it might be the last time you ever see them. Well, they're like, I'll see you tomorrow. They're all doing that. And then the last brother breaks down. Like, everyone's doing the like, and remember, you still owe me 10 bucks. Like, right. right, Mm -hmm. And then, yeah.
2: Yeah. Very sad. I cried a lot. Me too. Um, And I had to go get something in the kitchen and my roommate and his boyfriend were out there and I was just like, red faced and messy and they were like hi well, are you well
3: humble yeah. that was me after uh, I saw the time traveler's wife on
2: cable one time and you just remember how fun it was to make that movie yeah. my son um, my dad and uh, then there's yeah
3: you know the memorial and you see Denzel going there and then there's what feels like an hour of home
0: videos. Yeah. What's also, you got this long one throughout the entire room. Which I love. I love that. And you tweeted this last night, but like, it doesn't have a death scene per se, Mm. but it is a movie that feels like it very briefly, only at its tail end, captures the actual spirit of Mm -hmm. grieving and remembering someone after they passed. I mean the
2: movie that I referenced uh, like to compare it to was BPM, Beats Per Minute, which is a French movie that came out a couple years ago that has this exquisitely sad but beautiful death scene that – is really just about the the mother of the of the man who dies of aids in paris in 1991 i think it is mm-hmm. uh and his friends just kind of they're there they're sad but they're also like com- trying to celebrate yeah it's like it's it's gorgeous and it really it yeah. feels so real and it, this in the in philadelphia they knew he was going to die of so course. it's not like the shock it, it's just like there's a little relief cuz right. he's like free from pain and you right. know and and so i just think that that, that end scene I and that ready. Neil young, young that's song that's, that's. Capture yeah, it perfectly.
3: Philadelphia, what's up? Yeah, this is... The Phillies!
2: He's playing it in the corner. Uh, I just I think that seems great. Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, it's I love L- LA, but... Right. but I love Philly. Yeah,
3: so. <laughs> he's actually just talking about meat. Yes. Just no one
0: called him on it. Philly, Let's um, yeah, play the box office game. Well, I want to say a couple of fun of things here. As you <laughs> said, it is that humanizing thing of just like... You're not even showing Hanks anymore. You're not even showing America's mm-hmm. favorite movie star. You're not even showing this performance. You're showing video footage of a random kid, an actor, yeah. you know, hired yeah. to play a kid or I whatever. I assume so, right? That's not, that's not real home video no, footage. No, I don't Hanks think it can be. Anything like right. right? Yeah. Um, but it does underline this thing that, like, we lose track of of just, like, everyone was, like, a child mm-hmm. once. Yes. And you would never discriminate against that child right. in the way you do at the adult. And nothing has fundamentally changed with that person just because you dislike their identity. It's yeah. not an action that they made. Um, which, is that's just when I started crying. Yeah. I mean, and I was like on the brink rewatching most of the movie. And then that just, I, just I, sort I of, dropped a couple tears. I was just, you dropped a couple. And I think the Neil Young song is great. I think it's a yeah, better song. It's, it's really pretty. Oh, no. That's crazy. Streets of Philadelphia is
3: gorgeous. That's crazy. <laughs> That's nuts. Uh, I do like the New I New think Young Philadelphia yeah. slaps, though. Right. I think
0: it's a bop. It's good. It's good. I mean... I put it on at the club when the beat drops. It's, I'm just out there. It's an
3: like, it's an, orig- an interesting year for original song um, because you got um, A Wink and a Smile, which is a nice look in Seattle song. Okay. By oh, Mark yeah. yeah. You got, again, the Janet Jackson song from Poetic Justice. Oh, weird. oh, god. Yeah. And yeah. then... I mean, you have the movie, the song that probably should have won, which is "The Day I Fall in Love" from Beethoven Second.
2: Yeah, I'm proud of that song.
0: Beethoven's <laughs> Second. That's right. Got an Oscar nomination for Richard Lawson. Oh. He got an Oscar nomination yeah.
3: for, of course, the you know Academy Award. For well, me and Beethoven co-wrote and Best it. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
3: I can't. remember Beethoven Second.
2: Does Charles Grodin remember Beethoven Second? Uh, he, I mean, he was in it. Is, is that the one where he pulls the house down no, in, I don't on the the lake house? Probably. Probably. Um, God, I just remember when I was a
3: kid, like renting some video, right from yeah. the video store, and there was a trailer for I believe was. Beethoven one yeah. in front of it. Yeah. Beethoven's and first. Beethoven's first. Yeah, and just being like, I, I, I have to see this now. <laughs> like, you know, I was probably like six years old, right? It's, like, it's remember it's the trailer where Grodin's like going up the stairs yeah. and it's yeah. like drooling, and he's like, oh, and then yeah. there's just the dog, and I was just like, this looks like a masterpiece. Yeah, I got to see it. You just know. ran. Who's into Who's the parents? wife in that movie? Well, it's Bonnie Hunt. It's Bonnie it's Hunt. Bonnie, yeah, yeah. Right.
0: It's Hunt Groden.
2: Yeah, Groden. I think Groden pretty much retires. And Pacino's the dog. <laughs>
0: Pacino is the dog. Yeah, <laughs> uncredited, but yeah. So should we
3: do <sighs> um, the wide weekend? Oh, it platformed. It platformed. It Let's do the narrow weekend. Let's do the the, the actual release date, December, okay. basically Christmas time, nineteen ninety three. Okay. Uh, so it opens limited. But, watch, but it's important. Better guess? not cry.
4: <laughs> he actually has a great Christmas song Yeah Santa Claus is coming to town He's like That's what was just singing I know but yeah. I love it He's like hey Claus You've been a good boy this year yeah. Santa's gonna bring you a
3: saxophone Yeah, yeah. It's fun um, Just important to remember It was a big hit uh, It made 77 domestic 200 worldwide Adjusted for inflation It's I like hate. 170 or something Yeah I think you're right Yeah, uh, 172 Yeah, yeah crazy uh, I but, mean absolutely insane Yeah So Domestic Number one at the box office. It's a film we've mentioned on this very episode. A big legal
0: thriller in its second week. It's not the Pelican Brief? It is the Pelican Brief. Wow, wow Denzel.
2: And Julia.
3: Den
0: fucking up. Z- I'm just saying to have both of these at the same I time. Know, that's I
2: crazy. Know,
3: I know. Number two is uh, the most quotable comedy of all time.
2: Beethoven's second.
3: Nope. Good, good guess, though. That's from, number four. From 1992. <laughs> it's the most quotable comedy of all time.
0: But I can't tell Waynesburg? if you're being sincere or not. We've
3: discussed it on this podcast as the most quotable comedy of oh, all time. Oh, wait, to it's too. Mrs.
0: Doubtfire.
2: Oh, Drive by Fruiting.
0: Ben Reese,
3: uh, a long time ago yeah. now, was like, well, that's the most quotable comedy of all time. And I was like, what's like I a feel quote? like I was in the room for that You might have been. Yeah, it yeah, came like,
0: up in a box office game as oh, a then hint. And then ben then said, goes, it's very quotable. And right, I was like, right. what's a quote? And, and you then said, ben said, hello. <laughs> hello.
3: Right.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh boy! Mm. Drive by fruiting though. Drive by yep. fruiting.
2: Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, oh, I am, uh, I yeah, I am
1: dude job. looks like a lady.
2: Doesn't she go? I sound
3: Bruce job. singing. Everything. I am Job. Very, yeah. I am yeah. Job is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Care uh, to tell me the domestic final total of Mrs. Doubtfire?
2: 264?
3: Two sixty two nineteen. Okay. Adjusted for inflation. Let's. Uh, it was
2: one of the ten highest grossing films of all time. How are you surviving the, the box office mojo? I'm on the numbers, baby. Yeah, fully switched. I oh, love it. Bye, numbers is bye good. Bye, Mojo. Oh, yeah. I gotta
0: say, like several times a day, for I Mojo. type in Box Office Mojo to look up something, no, I'm, and then I, I, like, I just like I've forgotten it. I feel such a great sense of loss. It's gone. I just got so familiar and comfortable with that interface. Yeah. I've been on it for so long. I will learn to love the numbers. Credit to the numbers. They've been very responsive as clearly they're being flooded. They're stepping up. And they're like, hey, we just added
3: this. We just, we, they yeah. keep posting updates where we're like, oh, you guys asked for sorting. We're going to put in sorting. Yeah. You know, like, so good job to the numbers. Number three at the box office is a sequel to a big hit comedy. But it's not Beethoven's
0: second. But did you get four. the adjusted number on Doubtfire? Uh,
3: 485. Domestic.
0: Unbelievable. Unreal. Yeah. Hello. Hello! She has cake on her face. She does. Okay, wait, number four or number three? Number four was Beethoven second, but
3: number three is <laughs> Number another. four was
0: Beethoven second? Oh, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Wow, well, okay. But number three, which, what's the final total on Beethoven second? Let's find out. I'm going to guess 41. 52. <sighs> Pretty good. Pretty robust. Um. But, uh, yeah, so, but number three is another sequel to a hit comedy. Is it Wayne's World Two? No, that mm. is number five. Wow, it's crazy to think about that. Yeah, when did this the is first Wayne's World?
0: Wayne's World was that a nine, year nine, ninety two, right? Yeah. They, they were like eleven months apart.
3: Yeah, yeah. it was very much a look, let's just squeeze this for all it's Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, no, it's just crazy thing. Like Christmas time in the nineties, where they're like, it, this is a post Home Alone world. Yeah, where they're like, yeah, comedies just. Flood the
0: zone with yeah. Right. Nineties right. really were comedy. peak like comedy franchise.
3: hundred percent. You got the Pelican Be brief up at top. Yeah. But apart from that, Doubtfire, Beethoven's second, right. Race World 2, and number three that you guys refuse to guess, a sequel to a hit comedy
2: film.
0: Well, I didn't realize we had when skipped was, over it. Yeah, I had no H- idea how
2: Not long ago. How 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 many years it had it been since the original? Hmm. Is this number two? This is number two. Two and final? Yes. Although
4: I mean I,
3: I you could it, make yeah, a third. I see it coming back. You could make a third. Uh the first one, just to triple check. This, so this is coming out obviously ninety three. The first one came out in ninety two, so just a year earlier. Wow. Yeah. The first one, I mean, it is a big drop off. The first one made two thirty one wow. domestic. And this one made fifty seven. Jeez. <laughs> this was a little bit like
2: it's not Adam's Family Values.
0: No. It's not Sister Act too. It is. Back in the
3: habit. That was so soon after that. I think they they, they could have waited a year. But
0: Wayne's World was the same thing. It was so fast. Too fast. This is the era of, like, Paramount, Touchstone, and mm -hmm, Fox just mm -hmm. whipping them out. Mm -hmm. Because Wayne's World also 47. Just folding pizzas. Yeah, (laughs) just folding
3: pizzas. And, like, the first one made 183 to 47. So it's just kind of like, yeah, relax, relax, relax. Yeah. Yeah. Number six is Geronimo, an American legend. Mm. Walter Hills, yeah, with Judy, an Oscar. Mm. Uh, number seven is The Piano, which it is. Excuse look, me, it's called The Pianer. The Pianer, which look, I just still think it's crazy that movie made any money or mm-hmm. made one Oscars. Yeah, that movie's insane. Yeah. I love it's one of my favorite movies yep. of the nineties. I
0: I love it, but it just that made forty million dollars. It is That's one of amazing. my favorite jokes. I forget where it happens. It might be in an Oh Hello. But the snub-nosed pistol. Yeah, Harvey Keitel's John penis. Mulaney referring to Harvey Keitel's penis as a snub-nosed little pistol. <laughs> Jesus. Um, you got Schindler's List. That guy, he really had an incredible run in the '90s. Uh, Harvey Keitel's penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. yes. It's weird. He hasn't worked in a while. It's
3: just wild. That it's just like, all right, what's this movie? I guess I'll go see it. I'll, I'll probably give it. It'll get like a Wayne's World two type gross. Okay, what's it about? Well, this mute woman is married to an aristocrat in New Zealand, and she really loves her piano, but they can't bring it up the cliff, so she starts to sell sexual favors to bring it up key by key. And they're like, one of those. All right, It's like,
0: what? What is this movie? Keep on the same stories
3: over and over Yeah, Harvey Keitel's dick is in it a lot. Again? (laughs) It's a weird little girl. She's so good. Incredible in that movie. Oscar winner. Yep. Uh, uh, Schindler's List just opened in its second week. Uh, and then you got uh, Adam's Family Values, a great, mm-hmm. great work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, a perfect comedy sequel. Right. I mean, and that was like only what? Better. That was two years after two. the original? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. number one is 91. Those movies were also, unlike, like, say, a Wayne's World they 2, have, incredibly expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah.
4: Those
0: movies have the production value. Production value. Yeah. Yeah. Costuming yeah. The effects that. still look so good, too. Like, and I thing looks we fucking stand. great in that mm-hmm. movie. Who, and how how all cool the is crazy, thing? like, Evil Dead style, like, camera following thing.
4: Remember thing? Thing? Oh yeah, the
0: Hand Boy, of course. (laughs) (laughs) They they finally (laughs) just put values out on Blu-ray. It had not been out. Hmm. It was only the first one. So good. So good. Way better. Where's
3: my 4K? Where's my Steel Book? I don't know. And uh, and then the Three Musketeers.
2: Oh, I with, saw that in theaters with, with Chris, Chris O'Donnell. Did you know? Saw that one too. And Gerard Depardieu,
3: Kiefer Sutherland, I believe. Oh, oh, Charlie oh Gerard Depardieu is uh, in *Man of the Iron Mask*. Yes.
2: right. I'm. Uh, yeah, this is the one with all the, it's it's like. It's like Young Guns, guns. Right. right? Yeah. So yeah. it's Sheen, yeah.
0: Sutherland, O'Donnell. and Who's the fourth? Uh, let me. Look.
3: Isn't it like Oliver Platt or something? Yeah. I think it, it is, is Oliver, it Platt. Is like Oliver Platt. Platt. It's yeah. Oliver Platt. I saw that one in theaters. It's Sheen, Sutherland, O'Donnell. Oliver Platt. Tim Curry is the villain. Okay. Right. And then Rebecca De Mornay is the, uh, the right. love interest. Wow, is, um, right.
2: Wow, yeah. That wow. is a real time capsule yeah. right there. Yep.
3: It really is. Remember that? No?
2: All for one. The song. Yeah. Was it Brian Adams and Sting? Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> right. Sorry.
3: <laughs> uh, no, it's... Uh, I'm trying to find the poster. Yeah, there it is. That was Disney? Yep, Disney. There they are. There they
0: are. Bunch of hotties. Sheen gets first billing.
2: Well, yeah.
0: Is that a poster where they're actually going left to right, matching the heads with the names? No, not at all. I couldn't see from this distance. Uh, I was asking. Here
2: here we go. Here's a zoomed in.
3: When I think of 18th century
2: France, I tend to (laughs) think of Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Kiefer Sutherland.
0: Kiefer right in the middle. Kiefer in the middle looking good. Looking pretty snacky. Yeah. Chris O'Donnell just
3: looks just like the blandest like pad of butter. Oh, I mean, he
0: was pretty. <laughs> oh, I know.
2: He was a pretty big, like him and Batman Forever was a, a sexual awakening for a lot of gay men. And,
0: and for Michael, for my, yeah, yeah. Joy. And for Joel Schumacher. It is kind of crazy how blandly handsome he is, though. And I say this yeah. as no like backhanded compliment. He just never really
3: stepped into the, you know, what right. you'd expect that person to eventually be like, oh, let me do some yeah.
0: harder stuff, maybe right. do some yeah. grittier stuff. He's on NCIS Los Angeles now? Yeah.
2: yeah. He's He's quietly just very rich because
3: he's, he's
0: on that right, show. He's on like Funny, the but, highest yeah. rated show on television. The Kim and LL Cool J just highest. went there to hide. Is it third? <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know. It I <laughs> know. It might be number one. It had a season or two where it was number one. Linda Hunt has uh, been on that show since the beginning. Yes. That's, I think she might have gotten written out. I uh, can't remember. Really?
3: It's, it's on, I believe it's on its 10th season, which is yeah. the wildest Insane. thing. Yeah. But I mean, Navy crimes in L.A. are a serious thing. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of
4: them going yep. on. Navy crimes? That's what the <laughs> NCIS investigates, Navy crimes. Are you
0: serious? Yeah. Naval, criminal, investigative <laughs> service. Oh, yeah. my God. I did not know it's that. It's the second spinoff of a spinoff. It's a spinoff there was of Jag, JAG.
3: Which is about Army lawyers. Uh-huh. Right. I know
0: that show. And then they were like, this NCIS stuff's kind of interesting. Spun that off. It grew into being the number one show on television. And then they've done two satellite shows, including NCIS, a uh, New Orleans, which right. has the weirdest cast of yeah, any it's procedural. Scott Lucas
2: Black, CCH Pounder, Scott,
0: Scott Bakula. Bakula. But
3: that's
2: not still on, is it?
3: It is. I it say. Is. I say. I say. <laughs> it certainly is. I think it's all of that. It's just wow. like, well, down here in New Orleans, yes. it's a little yeah. different. Like, it's, it's all just fan, that it's all fan yeah. boat chases. Yeah. It's like, yeah. right, exactly. It's like, yeah. there's been a Navy crime. I say I say. I've never
0: seen it. We that. solve no our idea. nautical crimes a little slower down here. They, every to every
2: episode, they think it's voodoo for like four, 30 minutes. <laughs> what, can we rule it yeah. out?
0: <laughs> I remember like the poster for the first season, like announcing the show, was like the four of them up on a balcony on Bourbon Street. Sure. Yeah. Like just watching the nightlife. <laughs> Now, NCIS is the only one that truly crushes in the ratings when you're looking at. The really? Los Angeles was never number one? No. Let's oh. see what NCIS. What a brutal cell phone for me. <laughs> it's, it looks like it's top yes. position. Your punishment
2: is to watch 10 episodes of NCIS. <laughs> it's villain. top
3: position was four. Yeah. Which is not bad. Yeah. In, in From 2012 to 2014, it was the fourth most popular show wow. on TV behind NCIS, The Big Bang Theory, and Sunday Night Football.
2: God, CBS,
3: CBS has four. Well, CBS is now in the tank. CBS is finally, finally seeing the reels come on. But that's yeah. Another story.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, that's for another episode. <laughs> I say, I say, uh, say. You, you want to hear something crazy? Uh, Kyle Catlett, uh, who is the actor who played uh, Young Arthur on the Tick, Little Little Me. Uh, when I was asked, he's like this weird, like tested out of school at like twelve, speaks fifteen languages, has a black belt in karate. Uh, like polymath autodidact kid. Um, And I asked him what made him want to become an actor. And he said, I was watching an episode of NCIS and I liked the people who sit behind the computer
1: Sure. Oh, wow. And I
0: thought that would be fun to do for a living. And it's like <laughs> the only person I've ever heard of who wanted to get it's into like, acting. I realized that that's my ceiling and that's what I'm going for. It wasn't right? even that. I I no, no, he said it with this like, like, like that looked cool. amazing. Like it was like eye opening, so like watching Brando oh, cool, doing right. like on the waterfront or right. something. It was like they get to like deliver exposition. <laughs> <laughs> they just swivel around right. in a chair.
2: <laughs> that's really funny.
0: And he was like, yeah, someday I hope I get that part. And he was like the know? lead in a Genet movie, and he was in the Poltergeist remake. Like him being the Tick was like his least sure. <laughs> important credit at that point. And he was, was like, he like, I in just um, Meek Mux. <laughs> he was not Miek Max The other uh, one, He was in. He was the what's it? The prodigious T.S. Pivot. He's the titular character in that movie. Cool. The one that was not released because of uh, Harvey Weinstein. Who? Uh America's uh, th- he just loves like going a to case live for comedy. New Orleans. Yeah, he's America's <laughs> greatest uh, comedy show audience member. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? We're done. Whatever. We're done. Thanks yep. for
2: coming, Rich. Thanks for having me. Old um Dickie Lawson. Yeah, sad movie, good movie. Um everyone should give it a second look because it's not what
4: people say it is. I, no. That's my opinion yeah, too. Watch it What are we gonna Experience the trolls.
0: Well, I mean, hopefully by I, the time this episode comes out. I
3: just, I don't know if you've been checking. Yeah. But now they're selling through
0: early January. They've extended so it. So the experience goes on. The experience was supposed mm. to last for three months, and we're currently in year two? Uh,
3: uh, no, Donald Trump was elected in uh, November 2016.
0: That's when Trolls the Experience begins. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, brother. David is (laughs) whipping the ground with his microphone. David has become such a physical comedian on this podcast. On this audio podcast. Yeah.
2: Um, He's putting on the Don Rickles bald cap.
0: Yes. Uh, Well, DreamWorks Troll the Experience Trolls the Experience. It's just they took over some fucking storefront in Manhattan by force. It's It's been so long since I've experienced my
2: trolls. It's time.
0: And maybe now we could, like, pair it up with, I mean, when does World Tour come out?
2: Well, the, but the other question is, is how we get around the fact that we're going to be
0: four grown men yeah, how we get at around a children's event. We have a very yeah. long it's text thread, and equipment. we've already talked about all of this. The
3: World Tour is in April, so we'll see. But if we get to 5,000 patrons, please get us to 5,000 patrons so that yeah. we can have the Trolls experience in Midtown
0: Manhattan. But we've talked about this. I think what we would do is it is open during the week. We would pick a weekday.
2: Right, we'll course.
3: Sneak
0: in the back door afternoon. Right, when there won't be a, a massive amount of children there, and we will right. call in advance and warn weeks them. in advance and be like, we are four adult men. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna walk in.
3: What if we do the troll's experience and we come out and we're mad?
2: <laughs> We've gone.
3: What mad?
0: if
2: we come out? We're already trolling. Right, we're just like. What I liked about it is
3: that I went mad. <laughs> I'm mad, you see. Like, we go like Victorian, They're like mad. old, old timey Batman villain You're saying mad, we yes. go
0: mad as a hat. Yeah, literally. Right. No, I'm, I'm up for it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Richard, do you have anything specific you need to plug? Um,
2: I have a, a, a cover story about RuPaul that just came out like a month ago, I think. Um, yeah, so go read that on uh, vanityfair.com or buy it. Fantastic.
0: And uh, uh, people should read your books if they haven't already. Well, all we yeah. Wait. Uh,
2: all we can All we can do is wait is the one book uh, that I have, and it's out in paperback. It's a lovely new cover. But you're
0: working on a new one. Well, maybe. Well, I, I don't, know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew for for social media, Joe Bowen, and Pat Rounds for artwork. Lane Montgomery for our theme song. Uh, go to Public for some real nerdy shirts. Uh, next week we have uh, beloved after like a five year gap in his career. It's amazing. He only makes uh, documentaries and TV stuff between ninety three and ninety. And then
2: returns was just an easy project, just right. you know, just the adapting the best novel ever written. Right <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, at at the behest of Oprah, right, who like calls him. and demands that he return to fiction That's, filmmaking. You can't,
2: you can't, film. you can't not answer that call.
0: No, it's a crazy blank check, and it's. Kind of his blank check, but really Oprah's blank check. Yeah. Uh, It's a movie she wills into existence. Um, So tune in next week for that uh, with guests that we have not settled on yet because we're doing these out of order and way in advance. And as always, directly from the Trolls the Experience FAQ page. Mm -hmm. Will there be Trolls at the Experience? Yes, there will be animated. 3D and in-person trolls at the experience.
2: We're all gonna die. We're
4: gonna die. Oh my
2: god! The city You
4: might, of you might
0: have to go back and like add this in. Okay. Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. I remember seeing this when it aired and yeah. just being. Before I saw Philadelphia, they did a fake commercial for Philadelphia action figures in courtroom playset. This is so my kind of bit. And it is a great fake commercial. <laughs> wow, we gotta find that. It uh, is. It's really. It's really good. And I. I saw it. When I was, you know, when did Philadelphia come out? Ninety-three. Yeah. Ninety-three. Yeah, so I was, like, 12, and I yeah. was, like, "That's my, that was my impression uh, of Philadelphia long before I saw the film. Anytime show. any it. comedy show did that bit, or, like, Waiting for Guffman doing the, like, My Dinner with Andre playset, it's obviously just, like, Venn diagram of my interest, but through, I'd say, about 2006, anytime anyone did the bit, which is, here is merchandise made for a very, very uncommercial, child-friendly film. I always killed me. It has like a courtroom that with an ejection seat. That was like God, the thing I remember so the bad. most. You go. And of course, uh, we talk about. I did a merchandise spotlight in the uh, Sons of Lambs episode, and uh, it made me realize: oh, the merchandise spotlights never work because they're uh, me describing an entirely visual thing. That yes, exactly. They've never worked. And now, once again, we're doing this. We're all just watching <laughs> a video right. and talking okay. about how funny yes. it looks. On silent, On <laughs> silent. Yeah.
3: Great stuff. Great click. Great segment for a great podcast that everybody likes. Perfect podcast.